And just like that, bam, we're live. Look at you, all grainy. You, did you pay your internet, Kevin? Am I grainy? I, my internet should be good. Maybe right. it's just my laptop. All right. If you, or maybe you're just grainy. <laughs> Who knows? Dude, as I'm showering today, sudsing up the hairy spots, I was thinking um, – there's this there's this sentiment in the community that like oh my god I'm so glad Dave's still there at CrossFit and I was thinking I have that similar sentiment to you you've been around forever and knowing that people like you are uh, intimate with the mothership gives me a sense of uh, security because I know that you got uh, OG roots uh, you understand the methodology you understand the culture and I just want to say thank you uh, I did not survive um, I was a weaker warrior. <laughs> weaker warrior than you but you are well, you are a beast and i appreciate you holding down the fort and um and, and i know it hasn't been um i know it's it's been a it's been a fun and challenging ride and, and you're killing it dude is is now as the director of the uh, crossfit games it's, it's pretty thanks man cool, that's yeah. like i think it's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me well i i mean it but i i get very sentimental on the shower <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always make it to the podcast but i get very sentimental in the shower yeah, I mean it's it's been a it's been a fun ride. I mean challenges for sure, um, but just trying to, you know, do the same stuff that Greg always used to teach us, like do the right thing for the right person for the right reason. So it's the only thing you need to do. And you've gotten as much out of CrossFit as is just about anyone can, right? Um, uh, I, fitness, friends, uh, share service. I mean, you you've got a, a profession, food on your plate. I mean, you you really made a lot of it, dude. It, it's yeah, I don't. I don't know if I could ever. Uh, me and Chase Ingram talk about it all the time. Like we have like an unpayable debt to the CrossFit community. Like I don't. I don't know. I could work for the rest of my life for for everyone in the community. I, don't, I still don't think I'd pay back a tenth of what I owe it. And, and the cool thing is, because you impact so many people, I bet you a ton of people, including myself, feel that way about you. It's like, oh, thank God he's in there doing the service. Trying. Yeah, Trying you are do best I can. Hey, um, I. I it's been people like uh, me and you know each other's journeys intimately because we've watched each mm -hmm. other. But I, I want to go back to uh, little kid Ogar and and talk about your talk about your uh, roots and, yeah. and and just talk about how you got here and then talk a little bit about uh, the CrossFit Games, uh, the direction it's going and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so where were you born? I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, okay, good spot. That was a good spot back then, right? Sure. I mean, I only lived there for I think a few months, but yeah. And then where'd great. you go? Uh, I grew up in like grew up in St. Louis, like right outside St. Louis City. And uh, and what was uh, childhood like for you? What what were your what were your your passions? What did you do as a kid? Did you have siblings? Uh, I got an older brother, younger sister, um, and I got all the athletic genes, and they got all the brains. So I played sports, and they did good in school. So I, you, I grew up playing sports. That's what I did. And you were big kid, tall gifted yeah broad shoulders yeah yeah always always been a little bit bigger i think by the time i was like seventh or eighth grade i was hitting six foot maybe a little over and did you know what you wanted to play at that time had you started honing in on like a, a passion of what your sport was going to be at that that time my passion was basketball i mean i that's all i wanted to do was play basketball um like dribble tennis balls around take shots at every chance i had parents got me a basketball hoop um when i was younger and then realized when I was about like probably 12 or 13 years old that I was pretty scrawny, like being six foot and 130 pounds doesn't really bode well for most sports. So, um, 
asked for a weight set when I was like 12 or 13. My parents got me one, put it in the basement. And I started lifting. And, and who, who was your, um, kind of your mentor for weightlifting? Was it just the, the, the traditional stuff that we all did back buys, chest, all that stuff? Um, I would, I would say that my, my mentor was, um, stubbornness, uh, more than likely. I mean, I read a bunch of like when I was like 12, 13, I just kind of read some stuff from, from like basketball coaches that had, they had their, what they had their team lift. I just read a bunch of their articles and started doing that and stuff like that. And then got in high school. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the football coaches we had at our high school. I really didn't, I only played for like a year, year and a half, um, for football. And, um, when I say stubbornness was my, was my mentor, I, I was determined not to do their weightlifting program, which probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world, but, um, I was determined to try to figure something else out besides what they were doing. And so did a lot more studying on, um, like strength and conditioning stuff. So that's interesting. That shows that you're a good fit for CrossFit. So you were already a contrarian. You were, you weren't, you weren't down there doing what we were doing, the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. Like you knew right away, Hey, I need to do some stuff that ba I need to work out like a basketball player. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I need to, I need to plow my own route and I need to be, a, you were a contrarian to, to what the, they were just having you do the factory. Uh, team. Yeah. Contrarian, may, maybe just a shithead. I don't know like if there's much of a difference there, but <laughs> de definitely didn't, didn't like being told what to do. And, and, and then, um, what, what was, how much did you practice hard, um, as a kid in the off season, were you practicing? Like, were you like, Hey, I am a basketball player. Did you, did you think of yourself? Okay. I'm a basketball player. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah, um, I mean, get a college scholarship or something. I wanted to. Yeah. Like, but I played other sports. Like I ran, I ran track, the 400 high jump, um, swimming, things like that. Um, I wasn't really good at, I, like I tried baseball, wasn't very good at it. Um, but like I was good at the sports that you could train for. Cause I think I was better at training for sports than I was actually at sports. So I don't, I don't think I was good enough to actually, I mean, I could maybe could have gone to like a junior college or something like that to play basketball, but I don't think I was good enough to do much else outside of that. And, uh, then um, after high school, found rugby and realized that I was very good at crashing into other people uh, at full speed. So, so you were you're kind of you were en route to be a CrossFitter because those are some important things, right there, right? Those are the guys we're seeing succeed now. People who have uh, played played maybe one sport seriously, but also could swim. Uh, we're, we're on the track team. You know, you hear a lot of CrossFitters will be like, Hey, I was a blah, blah, blah player, but I did the track team in high school also just to stay in shape. And then now yeah. as, as, as elite CrossFitters were like, wow, they can do it all. They have, uh, they can swim, they can run. And, and then they also have the athleticism. They got it all. So you were, you were en route. Yeah. It's almost like, almost like kids should have a really good base of genetic, a general physical preparedness. And then like branch on the sports as they want to specialize as they get older, maybe something like that. I don't know, you know? No, I, I, I agree with you. Hey, in, in which, as, as you're doing these sports, uh, which culture did you like the best? The swim culture, the basketball culture, culture, the rugby culture. Did you like being alone, working out in your basement? Um, I would probably say rugby or track culture was probably my favorite. Um, Interesting. Totally different, right? Totally different on opposite yeah. ends, but you like both of them. Yeah, I mean, like with basketball, they were cool, and I have a lot of good, like, lifelong friends that I played basketball with growing up, and they're they're awesome guys. It's just, um, like, like the the training outside of basketball was never their thing. Like, they were, and that's probably why they're better at me. They spent a lot more time working on like their skills and drills, and I spent a lot more time just running hill sprints and trying to be stronger. Um, 
but like with rugby, it's really close grip, close, like knit group of guys. Like I'm still really close friends with a lot of those guys that I played in college with. Um, so you get really close to those guys. It's a team, it's a team sport where like you really have to rely on the person next to you. Like you're in a, you're in a scrum and like you have thousands of pounds of force on your shoulder and you have to really trust that the guy two two people back is, is going to drive and do their job. Otherwise you're going to get smashed. Um, so I really dug that or like, I've had someone punch me in the face and then we were best friends off the pitch. Like I, I like that kind of culture, like work hard, work hard, bust each other up, but also realize like the game's the game. Yeah. Um, and I like the track culture specifically because the guys I ran track with, I ran track with some really, really fast guys and really great high jumpers. And uh, the work ethic on those guys was insane. And I just liked that version of the culture where like the only thing that was important in track was your work. Like how hard did you work? Um, that's a great, uh, those are, those are leadership lessons, right. To get punched in the face by someone and then be their friend afterwards. Like that's something you yeah. carry. That's going to be a lifelong lesson. Cause there's going to be people like that. People who get ahead seem to be able to do that their whole life. They'd be able, they, they're able to fight with people, but also be their friends. I mean, to, to be fair, uh, my dad's side of the family is Polish. So like punching me in the head doesn't do much. So <laughs> Uh, are, are both, are both your parents still alive, Kevin? Yeah. Both, both of my parents still alive, still married, living in St. Charles, Missouri. I go see them fairly often. So, so good roots, good foundation. Yeah, I do. I, I couldn't have asked for better parents, you know, like the, my dad was always around, always coached all our sports. Like he coached me through like soccer, baseball, basketball, like any sport I played when I was younger, he helped coach. Even if he didn't know the game, he studied it and tried to learn as much as he could about it. Like his, uh, I get a lot of my work ethic from, from my parents and like, he worked multiple jobs to make sure we were provided for. My mom worked her ass off at home to make sure we were taken care of. And uh, they did a great job of like not babying us. Um, like I always joke, like my mom would, my mom, we would get in trouble and my mom, my dad would drop the hammer and then my mom would make us go sit down. I had a desk outside my room where I had to write down like what I did wrong, why it was wrong, how I could approach this, uh, this uh, like the situation differently. And so it was like a good mix of like getting the hammer dropped on you, but also having to think through the situation critically. You had, a, you had a little desk outside your bedroom door. Oh like yeah, in, in the hallway. Yep, just had to sit there and write down what I what I. Dude. Like, boom, there it is. Dude, I might do that. That is awesome. It was. It was. I remember that desk to this day. I would sit there with a piece of paper and I had to write down, answer all these questions before I was allowed to get up. Uh, so so you're growing up. You're doing sports. Did that keep you out of trouble? Do you think that um, sports kept you out of trouble mm. as a boy? Like I have these three boys, and I'm like, man, you got to keep these dudes busy. They will get into anything. I think I would have gotten in a lot more trouble uh, had I not had sports. And had I not trained as much, I would have been a lot slower and probably would have got caught more. So, Oh, interesting. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I was – I always – my parents think, seem to think I was a good kid. I think I was kind of a shithead when I was growing up and bro broke a lot of rules and didn't, didn't do all the things I should have. Um, but, you know, I guess, I guess that's just growing up as a teenager in the middle of Missouri, so – you seem like the guy who could talk your way out of uh, trouble too. Like you could put your arm around I, someone. I did. I talked my way out. Yeah. I, I don't really think I did homework for like my last two years of high school. Cause I convinced them that if I could pass the test, my teachers, I convinced them that if I pass the test, then what's the point of homework? Cause I already know the material. So. Uh, you ever been to jail, Kevin? No. Oh, good. Good job. Uh, I mean, I, I've gotten, I got arrested one time for having beers in my back pocket when I was like mm -hmm. 17. Mm -hmm. but that was it. They put the handcuffs on you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to call your parents? Uh, 
No, I I called uh, my girlfriend at the time. She came pick me up, but then the cop showed up at my door to make sure my parents found out about it. So <laughs> Missouri. Yep. You talk your way out of that, huh? <laughs> Dude, could not awesome. talk my way out of that one. No, sir. Uh, so so you you finished high school, um, and and you got you got all these sports, and then that's when you started rugby. Yep, started rugby uh, end of my freshman year of college. And, and I was did- uh, my. My lifting partner at the time is big dude from South Africa, played rugby in South Africa. Um, we were, I was still, <clears throat> still powerlifting and I was lifting with him and he's like, you should try rugby. And I was like, I've never heard of it. And went and watched a game with him. And I was like, oh, so like no pads. I get to crash into people as hard as I want to and get some aggression out. I'm in. So started playing rugby. And, and, and how long did you play that? Uh, I played rugby through the rest of college. And then like two or three years after college out here in Colorado. Oh, what? did you get a scholarship out there? No, no, there's a, there's a, there was like a, a men's team out here called the Glendale Raptors that was right across the street from where I moved here in Colorado and um, just walked on the team and just wanted to play rugby and they needed props and that's the position I played. So I got lucky. What did you study in college? Um, which time? And, uh, right. you know, so right. I never actually uh, graduated college. I am, I am not a huge fan of our school systems uh, uh, as they sit. And so um, probably again, very contrarian at that point. So I went into college studying um, like psychology, secondary education and, uh, and with a minor in German and then realized about three years in that I didn't want to do anything with any of that. Um, And so just started taking classes for like the next four years that I thought was important and fun. So like biochemistry, uh, human anatomy, physiology, exercise science, public speaking and things like that. Cause those were the things that interested you. Yeah. I mean, by that time, by my, we'll call it my second stint in college, I'd already, I'd always wanted to be a coach. My, like I, since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be a coach. I'm probably from watching my dad coach and, and falling in love with it. Um, but always wanted to coach people. And, uh, so by the time I got kicked out of college the first time and then went back into college, I'd already found, that's how I found CrossFit actually. And so I'd already realized I wanted to coach people in CrossFit and, um, so I just went into classes and subjects that I thought was going to make me a better coach. It, well, how many years was your undergrounds, uh, under, uh, grad stint? How many years were you, were you an undergrad? From uh, the, like, I was in, I was an undergrad from like 2004 till 2010. Yeah. Okay. I had a seven year stint as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I, mean, I went, I to, three into it. I went I, to three different schools. It was dope. Hey. Yeah, same. I went to three different colleges. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I didn't graduate either. I didn't graduate, yeah. but I had, but I had I, a great time. Oh my god, did I have a good time? I I learned a lot, and I learned a lot about um, myself and uh, and how to deal with people in that in that seven year stint of of college. I, I always go back to what's that, Tommy Boy? A lot of people go to college for seven years. It, it, were you good? What What did you say, Caleb? So those are doctors. Oh, right, right. Uh, not guys with beers in their back pockets. Hey, um, were you a good student? Did you did you know how to? Uh, I, I I was not a good student. Even when I tried, like I would try my hardest for like a quarter at the beginning of every year since kindergarten. I would try my hardest for a quarter, and then I would just get C's and D's, and I'd be like, "This is crazy. I'm trying I, so hard." I was a good test taker. I don't uh-huh. think I was a good student. Uh, so so like you, I, could, you knew the game. Yeah, I could take tests really well. Uh, I mean, I learned, like, especially if I was interested in it, it was fairly easy for me to learn things. I didn't understand the need for all the homework. And so I would try to talk my way out of it or just kind of ignore the homework and just hope that they, they graded the test high enough that I could pass the, uh, the class with just the tests. But 
I just, uh, I didn't understand the, if I under, already understood the uh, information, why I'm just doing repetitive nonsense to, uh, to be busy work. Yeah. Uh, but did you like school? When I like the subject, I love school. Like I, I love, I should say, I don't necessarily love school with the way our system's set up, uh -huh. but I love learning. I love studying things. Like I'm a consummate nerd. I still like to read textbooks on, on occasion. I, I like to learn things. I like going there for the friends. I like seeing the people. Like I would be motivated. I would get up in the morning and be like, dude, I get to go see my friends. I'd be so excited. Yeah, no, I, I would no. just, I think, I don't think it was the people. I think a lot of people that would annoy me in class with stupid questions. And so I would get annoyed by them, but I like learning the information. Did you go to the, the prom and the ball in high school? Did you participate in, in those things? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, uh, I think if I remember correctly, in my high school, I was voted most spirited and biggest bookworm. For my for my high school superlatives. Wow, no shit. Wow. Mm -hmm. And when they say bookworm, you were the dude who'd just be reading your own shit just at lunchtime. You'd have a book and just be reading. Yeah, I just carried around a, a book with me and kind of read it at all times, and probably got in trouble a huge many times because I was reading the book in class instead of paying attention. But that's what you, I was interested in. Are you still a big reader? Yeah, yeah, I still read all the time. Usually reading a couple books at a time. Uh, what about audiobooks? Listen, like I don't. I generally don't listen to music in my car. I usually listen to like either lectures or books when I'm driving places. Damn. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you have a thirst and that's a thirst. You have a thirst. You want, you want to be stimulated like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I like music. You can tune out and it's fun and I, I do enjoy music, but it's, it's way more fun. I think it's way more fun understanding things around you or, or digging into stuff that you're interested in. I had rich on here, Kevin. And, uh, I, I hope I'm saying this right. But I think he's he's going through every single U.S. president's biography. Wow! Yeah, that's pretty inspiring, right? And I think he, I think he's crushing it. I think he's make, moving at quite quite a, a fast clip. That's 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 a lot of biographies. Yeah, cr crazy, right? But I think, he, and then he's talking about reading the Federalist Papers. I wonder if that dude's going to run for office. Would you vote for Rich? I think I I would vote for Rich. Yeah, I think he's an odd, like I I don't know I don't know how like he to me every time I've met him he's a super nice and honest guy so I don't know how well he's going to like politics but I would vote for him just because he's nice and honest. Yeah, I I like him because he has um uh, I like va I like values I just I really I'm I'm in a whole values kick mm -hmm. I just love it that he has values. Yeah. Do you have values? Do you know what your values are? I, I 100% know what my values are. Yeah. And how, how was that introduced to you by someone? Was someone like, hey, you need values? And you're like, what? I don't need those. Like, when did you learn um, about values? I mean, like, again, I have a great set of parents from Missouri. Uh, I grew up in the Christian church. I've always been a Christian. Uh, that's where I get a lot of my moral values from. That's where I get a lot of my guidance from is um, reading scripture and, and figuring out what God calls us to do and how we're supposed to do it. And, and you think that. When you, when your behavior, I don't know if this is the right word, comports with your values, life is at its best. Is that, is that why you stick to them? Um, best, yes. Easiest, no. Mm. Like I, mm. I, I'm very aware, like if you've read any kind of scripture, you're never promised an easy life. You're promised a, a joyful life and they're two different things. And like, I don't necessarily want an easy life. I want a life of purpose, which ends up being a joyful life. Mm. So like um, it's, it's, it can be a lot harder holding to your values, but it's always worth it. Um, and do you own an affiliate still? Yep. Still own CrossFit Watchtower. I'm there now. Oh, uh, CrossFit Watchtower. Mm -hmm. And, uh, is that in Missouri? No, we're, I'm just outside Denver. Okay. 
And uh, do you run that? Do, do your values play a huge role in how you run that gym, the culture of that gym? hundred percent. Yeah. That's, I mean, kind of the reason I want to start a gym. Like we're, if you read, if you read scripture at all, you read more like, um, about how we're supposed to help other people and help those who need it. And so I opened Watchtower to help those who needed it. And I thought fitness was the best way to do it because that's the thing I knew the best. So we're not really here to create, you know, as cool as they are, not here really here to create games athletes per se. We're here to take people who could really use fitness, whether that be from coming back from injury, um, you know, any kind of mood disorder, any kind of physical like disability, or just like, have let life get away and like wants to get back to being healthy. Like we're, we're here to help the people who actually need it. So you, 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 you have a, a fondness or a, um, you, you don't mind starting with coal and turning it into a diamond like that. It, for, for, that's the, the continuity and everything you just said there is like, yeah, bring me, bring me the people who need the most help. Let me, let me tinker with those people. Yeah. I mean, A, I think it's the most fun and they're, they're like the most hard charging, awesome community you could build. But also like, I mean, I spent time, you know, training for the games and, you know, trying to get 17 muscle ups instead of just 16 muscle ups. And it was cool, but like, what's cooler than, than having someone come in who hasn't left. I mean, we have stories like this who hadn't left their house for three years and their first place they're coming is coming into my gym and trying to figure out how to get back on their feet. And we get to be a part of that, that life and journey and, and guide them, to being a better person. And like, I don't like, that's way cooler to me. We had, a, we had another guy who like didn't tie a shoe for 10 years cause he couldn't reach it. And now he's tying his shoes. Like we just like, I don't, I don't get spun up about elite athletes becoming more a leader. I get spun up about people realizing how truly awesome the human body is and how much they can do with it. And, and people who've let it go to shit, um, uh, mm-hmm. reintroduce them to it. Be like, hey, this is you, you. You can fix this thing. Yeah, I mean, I do that. The the fact that people want to try fires me up. Like that's yeah. it. All yeah. all all you have to do, and that's I mean, yeah. across like I talk to so many affiliates, and that's literally all you have to do if you walk into an affiliate is just try. No one cares what your background is, how much you've fallen off, what you did before this. No one cares. All they care about is if you come in and try. That's it. Bottom line. That really is true. That really yeah. is true. Yeah. Hey, um, that that's why also like when I hear stories of people in the affiliates getting upset that someone next to them is is shorting reps, it's like, dude, like, what do you care? Like, like, just try. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that, dude. Like, someone or or just tell the dude. Just tell mm-hmm. the dude. Be like, hey, dude, you'll you'll feel better and get more out of the workouts if you slow down and go and get you know, full depth or whatever. If not, whatever, they're still in there. They just need to try. Uh, Eaton Beaver. Uh, good morning. Uh, Mr. Ogar. Love the beard. Oh, thanks. I grew it myself. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I have, I have three kids and, um, they play a lot of sports and I really wanted them to do well. And I really wanted them to do well. And I really wanted them to do well. And, one of my boys got injured. He was doing jujitsu and someone kicked him in the stomach. And for like six weeks, he said something was wrong with his bladder. Like the way he peed didn't feel right. And after that, it hit the whole reset switch on how I think about sports. Now I don't even care. It's exactly what you said. I don't even care how well they do. I just want them out on the field. If they're like mm-hmm. fooling around or laughing, I don't care. As just long as, as yeah, just I, as long as they're in the game, they show up, 
they, you know, they be, they're just behave, they contribute. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how good they do anymore. I just want them to be out there. um, having fun. And, it, and it's think, true. It just hit the reset. An injury was a crazy reset for me. Well, and I, I think one big part of what Greg used to always talk about that people forget within CrossFit and something I forgot about for years and just recently over the last few years figured out again is like regu- regularly learn and play new sports. Like as yeah. adults, we should still play. I think that's one of the biggest things, especially like uh, like the men of the CrossFit culture, like they forget that playing is okay. Like bouncing around, having a good time, like going out and playing something that's enjoyable is a huge part of fitness. And I think, I think you leave a lot on the table as far as like your, your whole fitness overall, if you're not, if you're not playing. And I think that's true of kids. I think kids should play. They should have a good time. It should be enjoyable. An- another great reason that Rich is a good ambassador. Yeah. He plays all the time from what I see. Yeah. All the time. I mean, he's, he's doing it. He's doing it all. Okay. So, so you're, you're uh, in college, you're doing the rugby. And then when does, when does CrossFit pop up on your radar and what are your first thoughts about it? So I was uh, not being a good student, my freshman and beginning of sophomore year. uh, And I got, I got kicked out of school for not having the right grades or my grades dropping below a certain level. Um, And so I needed a job, needed to do something. I was already going to the gym regularly and my buddy's like, Hey, you should, you know, just do personal training since you're already kind of coaching people at the gym anyway. And I was like, sweet. Went and got um, like a certification and started working at a gym nearby. And uh, uh, a guy named Jeremy Yates uh, was running the, running the, um, the training program at the time. And he's like, Hey, you should try this CrossFit stuff. And I'm this like this, um, not exactly skinny power lifting, you know, big rugby guy. And I was like, that sounds horrible. It sounds like a lot of cardio. And then, um, you know, he puts the challenge down. He's like, I bet you, my hundred pound blonde girlfriend can beat you. And I was like, deal, let's go. And so I um, tried my first CrossFit workout, was horrible at it, fell in love with it. And I've really never looked back. Do you remember the workout? I do. I think it was a, I think it was a fun joke from Jeremy because it was 2159 handstand pushups and L pull-ups. It was a dot-com workout for like that day or the day before. God, and I was, I was like, I was like 240 pounds and a power lifter. Like I'd never flipped upside down. Right. And, and L pull-ups are just like mean. Yeah. They were, it was, it's not even fun. They, they were all done in like five, five to 10 minutes. And I'm like there 30 minutes later trying to finish out with like 15 pound dumbbell push press and the gravitron machine pull-ups and barely getting my fat chin over. Uh, and, and did you, what was the stimulus you got? Do you remember your forearms being more blown up than ever before or being like wanting to throw up or do you remember the <laughs> stimulus, what you felt? Uh, the stimulus is I felt like a fat turd because like I, you know, I was a pretty strong guy back then and I had to finish with 15 pound dumbbell push press instead of handstand pushups. And so I uh, realized I was bad at it and realized I didn't like being bad at things. And so between that and wanting to get better at rugby and run more, um, started moving more CrossFit. My second workout was Murph. Holy shit. Do you remember your time on your first Murph? Uh, if we can measure it in days, probably, I don't know. It was, it was, it was long. Like we didn't, we didn't scale. We didn't partition. It wasn't a thing back then. This is like 2006, 2007. Did you get rhabdo? No, no. Luckily I didn't get rhabdo. I think it's because I took so long to do it that I I don't, I think my body realized it was like two or three different workouts. Cause it was like probably two hours, man. It was not good. Did you wear a vest? No, we, that wasn't, we didn't realize we needed to wear a vest. And I think that, that was luckily something Jeremy didn't tell us at the time. Cause I didn't know what CrossFit.com was. I didn't know any of this stuff. He would just come in with these CrossFit workouts and tell us we're doing them. Dude, Murph's crazy. Um, did you get like th- those weird tingly sh- things on your head and shit? Were you, were you tripping somewhere in there? Like, did you have 
you know those sensations when you do some getting some cross oh. you're like or or like your ears clog up you know what i'm talking about like when you're pushing yeah, no, weird spots no i mean luckily i've been an athlete my whole life so i can kind of fumble through it but um mm. it, did, it did not feel good i mean i was i was trashed for days yeah damn uh get with the programming um i told kevin to break a leg before coming in on the show it got awkward you're a good dude too <laughs> Oh, so, uh, you know, I didn't. I wouldn't even know if I did. <laughs> so, so you, you have you ever broke your leg since you've been in the chair and not known it? Uh, now that I'm aware of, I've probably broken a few toes, but I've never broken my legs. I'm aware of. Um, so you you get introduced um to it, and right away you're like, hey, I don't want to be bad at this. And, and are you just in like that? You're just in. And hundred, like I'm, I am that guy. I am the jump all in, all or nothing. And I just went head first into it. And that was like 06, 07, 05, that, that era. Yeah. I, I think I, I really started doing it like 07. Um, got my first level one and at the beginning of 08. So that's just when um, it's, the videos really started coming out when it started like before then it was like, fuck, you're like looking for anything to figure out the movement. Yeah. So you Dude, were I remember kind of watching like, like, yeah, like watching Greg Amundsen, uh, a guy named, I don't even remember his real name. His, his online name was Bionic um like all those guys just like putting up youtube videos and they're just uh, watching all that stuff and just i had like three tabs open on my computer and it was always like crossit.com crossit one world and like one or two other crossit gyms that were always put programming out and i would always just steal it and, and all the footage was grainy and it was like shot oh, in like yeah. 480 or 280 oh, or it like... was it was iMovie and like the <laughs> cheesiest like things floating in oh yeah wow and uh so you were a 5 p.m guy at 5 p.m., you'd run over to .com and refresh the page? Yes, for years, for yeah, years. Wild. I didn't know you were – I knew you were old school. I didn't know you were that old school. Oh, that yeah, dude. I was, I, was on the, I, was, I was on the message boards, but I was, I was always quiet because I was never that – like when message boards were big, I was never good at it. So I didn't want to post my times and just get absolutely ridiculed for being a fat turd. So like I, was, I would read all the message boards, but I, wasn't, I was never one to really comment on them. Hey, um, and, and how long did it take before you were like – from starting that first workout with Jeremy Yates to where you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of fit now. Um, <clears throat> honestly, it, it didn't take really long. I think within like the first, I would say six months, I went from like 240 pounds and waddling around to like two Oh five. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's like, one of the reasons I, you loved it, right? The adaptation was nuts. I mean, that's what for was, me in two weeks. I saw my body change. I was like, what the well, fuck is I, going on here? I was, all in, all in. Like I was studying everything I could about uh, paleo and zone and food this and like the weirdo. Like I was the weirdo who was like carrying a bag of almonds around to make sure I had enough fat for the day. Like that was me. What did what, so, um, were people around you seeing your body change? Were people like were your parents like, oh, what's going on? Or you look great? Or were you getting good feedback? Um. Uh. Well, yeah. I mean, it went from like Kevin, you're a little too heavy to like I think you're leaning out a little too much. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, great. <laughs> you, know, you, you drop like you drop like 30 pounds in a six-month period people start to worry a little bit kevin do you have an eating disorder yes it's yeah CrossFit. yeah yeah you can't i mean i was i was that guy i came home and preached the good word of crossfit and paleo to my family as much as i could i'm sure they got absolutely sick of me and then somewhere it popped in on your uh that's you holy shit look at you yep you, look, you look like the red-headed wolverine oh <laughs> sweet <laughs> um and when when did um competitions pop on your uh radar when were you like oh we I, did this i can i know the exact moment so there's a 
I actually just saw him again for the first time in like probably 10 or 12 years. My old, my original, I had two original training partners, Frank Frost and Nate Baycott, and we trained together constantly. Um, Bay, Nate Baycott now runs a gym across at Fringe in uh, Missouri, and Frank's off doing um, military stuff. But uh, I remember we finished a workout from .com, and it was like running and pull-ups and something else. And I remember I was only like three reps shy of beating Chris Spieler because they had put like he was the one on .com that day, and I was like three reps shy of beating Chris, and I was thrilled. Cause like yeah. I come from like a fat kid who, who barely do a pull up and now I'm like coming close to Chris Spieler on a run, pull up something else to work. I think it was like run clean pull up or something like that, which is all in his was, wheelhouse, all in his wheelhouse. Yeah. And so I was stoked and I was talking to Frank and uh, Nate at the time. And I was like, dude, I was so close. And I remember Frank going, dude, you, there is no chance you could ever compete on the same stage as Chris Spieler. And it just like snapped something in me. I was like, all oh, right, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's go. I'm pretty, and, sure, I'm pretty sure I sent a picture to at least Nate, if not Frank as well. I mean, I competed with Chris for a couple of years, but the first time I competed with him, I think was like 2011 or 2012. And I snapped a picture. I don't think Chris knew I snapped the picture. I think it was like one of the very first selfies ever um, to, to send to them and tell them the, the ha ha, I win. You, you're wrong. It took me a few years to do it, but I won. And, and what was your first comp? Um, for, I did the first online comp in, you didn't do anything in person. You didn't do like some small throwdown at a gym or something. I mean, we didn't have it. I was in the middle of Missouri. I was Columbia, okay. Missouri. We didn't have it. Okay. We didn't have anything out there. And so the only thing that I would come close to, because I was a poor college kid, I couldn't travel for a lot of these things, was that last chance online qualifier, of like two thousand eight, I think. Like there's a video. There's a video qualifier for one. Oh for, shit! I don't even remember that. Wow. For for one of those competitions, I think it was like the Dirty South one or something like that. And uh, I threw down on that and barely missed making it that year. And and what was your first in-person comp? 2000, um, 2009, when we had the very own, the, the only time we ever had sectionals out here in Colorado. And, so, and how, yeah. how was that? Tell me about that. You, so you, you went out there by yourself. You went out there with the girlfriend, your parents. What did you uh, do? I, I had actually just moved to Colorado Um july of that year and that was in i want to say like october or november of that year and uh saw, saw it signed up for it um i had a rugby i was still playing rugby so i had a rugby tournament the weekend before went into it kind of beat up and bruised and i mean did okay qualified for regionals that year and did you love it Were, was, oh, was was that experience was just like crazy stimulating Dude, I got to I got to meet matt chan for the first time in person mm -hmm. which like you know i've known him for a while now but like he was it back then it was so cool to see him and competing against all these guys who were like throwing up these crazy numbers and, and like incredibly fit stuff like uh um, like peter edgett was there and uh -huh. um, oh gosh um so many other big names were like at that point in time big names i just remember being in awe of all these guys like throwing around these numbers and these weights that were crazy to me um and i was hooked that's it did regionals that year and i was like i'm, I'm training for the games that's what i'm doing and, and where were the regionals? Regionals were in Colorado that year. So we were um, out in Castle Rock, I think it was that year. Yeah, you know what? I was there. I remember that. Yeah. And Tommy mm -hmm. Hackenberg, Tommy, there were team. Were there teams there also? I think so. That, did you yeah, stay? Oh, did you stay? Oh nine. So that, oh, this is the sectional was oh nine. The regional that was the qualify for the regional in twenty ten. Twenty ten, yeah. So that was that was in Castle Rock. I know Tommy was there, and there's. You know, Nate Beard, I always remember Nate, super nice guy, but would throw around 
the most ridiculous. I, I thought it was strong, and that guy was stupid strong. God, I can't believe that was 14 years ago. Yeah. And, and how old are you now? I'm 38. Oh, you're still young. Jeez Louise. So you were you were 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started started doing CrossFit when I was uh, 21. 20, 21. So now you're you're coaching and you're you're competing in CrossFit. That's what your life had had become. That was it? Yeah, I do. I would pick up side jobs. Like I worked security downtown Denver. I was uh, worked at Whole Foods in their meat department for a few years, just like anything I could to basically afford my hobby of coaching. Yeah. And, um, and then, uh, how, how did that progress? What, what, did you start doing competitions four or five times a year? Did you start really getting into it? What, yeah. What? And any, anything I could afford, get to, or find sponsors that would send me out to like, <clears throat> like the picture you showed was from the outlaw open or like even like OC third. I went to, to a few years or any local competitions that had like prize purses. I would just go there and try to see if I couldn't make some extra money or, or get my name out there to try to collect some sponsorships so I could afford to keep competing. And um, were you getting better? What was motivating you to keep going? I had some really great training partners. Like um, my training partner, one of my training partners back then uh, made the games and I had a couple that were really close to making the games. And so we had a really cool community of people um, that we would travel around, especially when we first started, we would travel around to different CrossFit gyms because different owners were trying to make the games back then. Like that's when like uh, it was still like mainly gym owners who were trying to qualify and we would just train together. And so we had a really cool community of, of people we trained with that, I'm still friends with a lot of them at this point. Um, we would just train together and it was motivating because like all of us had different strengths. And so like, we'd always be chasing someone on something. You know, this is off subject a little bit, but you know what I'm starting to think? And I'm, I'm having really having trouble getting my head wrapped around it, but I think it's accurate. I think that there's people in the top 10 at the CrossFit games in the individual elite who, who've never been coached. I mean, it's, it's, what, it's possible. Like they don't know about belly breathing. No, they're, they're no, like they don't have coaches. Like they don't know. No one's ever told them when you snatch, keep the bar close to you. I think that there's people, it's, it's crazy more and more. I'm, I'm hearing, or I'm seeing coaching videos. I'm seeing people who are really good or hearing stories. And it's like, holy shit. They don't, these people don't really have coaches. What made, what, what triggered me to, uh, to think that is you said you had really good training partners. So some people mm-hmm. are training alone, right? And some people have like these consistent training partners. Do, do you think that um do you, do you think that all these games athletes or or there's even games athletes who've never even taken the L1? Like I think Vellner's never even taken the L1. I I think there are a lot of almost games athletes and games athletes who don't and I don't mean this as an insult because they're great athletes, but I don't think they truly understand the methodology. Um, g- give me an example, not the person, but the, uh, give me like something that you think that um, they don't understand. So a lot of these, like the top 10 guys, for sure. They've, they've learned how to maintain intensity across volume, but right. I think a lot of athletes, and, and I think that's okay. Like as long as you can maintain intensity across the volume, that's great. I think the bigger problem is you have a lot of these, like almost games athletes or like low level games athletes who see all these like the riches and the mats, like doing a whole bunch of volume and don't realize that they built that volume up through intensity and they just are throwing volume and volume and volume at themselves. And they don't realize the reason they're not able to beat these other athletes because they don't know what true intensity is. They don't know how to flip that switch. They don't know how to actually push themselves. They know how to pace. They know how to coast, but they don't know how to, when necessary, throw the hammer down and actually, and actually like go for it. 
And I think that's where like you see a lot of like the athletes that are in top 10, they have that whether naturally or taught to them or they've learned it. They, they've learned how to push into that. We'll call it like sixth gear and know what intensity feels like and know how to modulate it better. But that was only from training with intensity and not just training for volume. Right. And, and I, I, I appreciate that. Um, and I see that I, I was particularly thinking just also about just motor recruitment patterns, uh, positioning, mm -hmm. um, technique, it seems, uh, breathing. It just seems like uh, I'm the more and more when I, I see videos or I hear people interacting with these athletes and they say things to them that just seem so fundamental to me. Oh. And then they don't know it. I'm like, Holy shit. It's, they don't know that if you they have about belly breathing. If you have four workouts a day, mm -hmm. tell me when you're going to work on moving better or the skills that you're going to need or recut, like, recut, like it's not just training. It's also recovery. But if you're doing like part a part B part C part D, I'm going to do this Metcon here. I'm going to do this lifting here. I'm going to do all these different things. Tell me when you're working on skill. Tell me when you're working on moving better. Tell me when you're being trying to figure out how to be more efficient because you're not. And, and let me know when you're working on your recovery and how you're breathing and, and, you know, all these different kind of things that are way more important than getting your fifth workout in for the day. Right. And I, I, I have this argument all the time, especially with like the adaptive crowd. They want to do like the six workouts a day. And I'm like, it's why you're not fit. I'm sorry. It's why you're not strong. Like I shouldn't say not fit. It's why you're not strong. There's, there's this big thing. There's this, uh, if you look at the top people in adaptive and the people who are like mid range, the big, biggest difference is strength. And the mm. reason why they're not strong is because they're not giving themselves enough time because they're missing limbs or missing function somewhere to actually recover and gain strength the way you need to. They're doing six workouts a day and they're like, I can't get stronger. I'm like, well, that's because you train like an idiot. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of those people, including myself, one of the reasons also is we train for um, – not that this is an excuse, but it's in, maybe an interference. We train for, um, I don't want to use the word mental health. Um, but, but like I train, I train for like, normally I like to train in the middle of the day at some point and mm -hmm. it gives me a reset. And if I don't, I'm kind of lethargic the whole day. I'm not, I don't yeah. feel like, like hundred percent. So I think a lot of people also just train, they forget, they get confused it's different training as an athlete as opposed to someone like me who's using it just as a reset. But you're right. I can just get stuck in ruts doing the same workouts over and over, not increasing the intensity, not resting enough because I'm just, I'm just working out just to scratch some sort of um, uh, mental thing. You know what I mean? One, one of the things that's always in the back of my head and it's something that, that Greg, I used to always hear him say like, it's in, it's in the manual. It's like, if you come in for a workout, and you can't throw down with intensity, it means you needed to have a rest day. Wow. If I can't try hard on a workout and if I'm just going in there trying to slug through it, it yeah. means that I needed a rest day. I need to go do something else. I need to figure out a different reset, go for a 10 minute walk, go sit outside. Hell. I mean, if you really like, I mean, I, I love cold therapy. I mean, regardless of, of what kind of what you think of the science on it, but I love it. And so like splash cold water in your face, find something else. that's not beating your body into the dirt. So you can come in the next day and actually like try again. It all comes back to trying. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if you can't come in and try and you're coming like, ooh, ooh, and you have a bad attitude, like kick rocks, like go take a rest day, go for a walk, go, go find someone that makes you happy or something that makes you happy outside of the gym and then come back and try harder with me. And, and what, what I, I saw recently you benched four thirty. So it, you, you, you've made yourself strong as shit. You know what you're talking yeah. about. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, to be fair, Jesse Burdick made me strong. Let's just like, he gave me okay. the, the programming behind me being strong at all on bench press. But yeah, I, I mean, I did the work on it. 
what is the most you've ever benched? You benched 500 once, right? I've benched 500 with a slingshot. Uh, most I've benched raw is 440. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Hey, and when you're benching, are your, are your legs giving you any stability there? No, my legs are just kind of flopping around. They, they, don't, they don't do anything. And so the whole time, so when you're benching, where, where are you in your body? Like, where do you put your attention? Are you doing balance? Are you in your chest? Are you in your triceps? Where does Kevin Ogar uh, vanish into? My, my brain goes into um, my, my, my scaps, my back, and my abs. Those are the two things I really have to focus on. If, the more I can keep my laps, my lats set and my, my abs on, the better I bench. Because it what, just about falling, what about falling off the bench? It's balance. You better have a stable bench. Damn, you do you do anything special? A wider bench or or we we use a fat or? pad. I mean, mm-hmm. just a lot of it's because like, I use a fat pad basically for my shoulders. But um, what is that? That's something you you're you're lying on. Yeah, so that's if you see in the in the thing, um, it's called a fat pad. Rogue sells it. Um, gosh, I such a jerk because I can't remember the guy's name who invented it, but he's a, a great dude. Um, so it's it's a little bit wider. Tom- and it's a lot thicker. Yeah, Tom- Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, Thompson Fat Pad. Thank you, Donnie Thompson. So okay. he he invented that for for benchers, and it helps my shoulders stay healthier. And um, I I love it. That's that's the only thing I try to bench on. And I you know when I switch over to a narrower bench, say like in competition or something like that, I don't really feel a difference. I still feel just as strong. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, that's good to know. So so you so you're competing and um and you and you have goals to go to the games and then mm-hmm. you go to the OC Throwdown. Can you tell me what happens there? Uh, OC Throwdown 2014. That was in January. Uh, we're through the competition. We're going into this event. Should have been my event. Like um, at that time, I was I wouldn't say I was the strongest guy in cross in like the CrossFit realm, but I was one of the stronger guys. Like if there was a heavy event, I was probably going to do pretty well on it. And this one was like a three out max hang snatch. Uh, like a back squat and like a push jerk or something like that. I don't remember what the last one was. Uh, I didn't make it there. Um, they kept you in this like little side room. They wanted it to be this big surprise. Like we're going to walk you out and just going to be like, go. And so you're in this like hallway and then they walk you out and you basically have like 30 seconds to get to your platform and then beat, go. And not a lot of time to check everything out. Well, they had stacked uh, all the bumper plates directly behind the platforms or directly like behind you when you're lifting on the platforms. And so I went to go hit my first snatch. It felt awkward. It wasn't anything heavy for me at the time. And so I was just like, I'm just going to bail it backwards and start over. I have plenty of time to hit this. And um, at that point in time, I don't think anyone had snatched more than like 215. And I had like 235 on the bar. Um, And so I was like, it's not a big deal. I'll just redo it. And so I went to go drop it backwards, realized I couldn't jump forwards because there was a slight incline to the platform. And um, barbell hits my left shoulder, bounces off of me hits the, uh, the bumper plates that were behind me, the 45s and ricochets off that at full speed, uh, right into my spine, right between T11 and T12 and severs it in half. It severs it in half. Yep. Puts and, it on two different sides of my body. And, um, I, I don't know anatomy, but we have a cord down there, right? A spinal cord mm-hmm. too, like an electrical cord. That's like the main yep. conduit for like, did that thing get broken too? Just cut the cable. Yeah. As well. Well, and this, this goes back to like why I, I am so adamant about like my, my morals or my faith about things is like a quarter of an inch in either direction, I'd probably be dead instantly. But I didn't like I had a small fracture in one vertebrae, but I didn't ba- break any vertebrae. I didn't have any internal damage. No, you didn't um, break just, any vertebrae. I just had a small fracture of um, yeah, I just had a small fracture of one of like the uh, overlapping joints, but that was it. Vertebrae were fine. 
um, to this day, they're fine. And um, just severed it in half perfectly the way it should have, um, the way it needed to, to keep me alive. And there it is. And so um, uh, do you remember, do you remember the whole event? Did you stay conscious? Oh yeah. I was conscious the whole time. Um, my training partner's wife, who's thank, thank God was a, was a, a fire medic, jumped the, jumped the, um, the guardrails and came running over holding her. Like, I think it was, I think her daughter was like three months old at that time um, holding her baby and like took charge. They were trying to like move me off the platform and get me to move. They would have killed me. And so she came over and like calmed me down. I was freaking out. I was in more pain than I've ever been in my entire life. It was like someone had doused me in gasoline from head to toe and, and every nerve, it just set it on fire. Wow. So remember all of that. Remember waiting for the ambulance. Remember the ambulance ride. Um, I don't, I didn't lose consciousness until they had to put me under for an MRI. Um, Kevin, why can't they just, why couldn't they just um, bring the cords together? Well, I mean, you can, you can, can, but I mean, if you take like a, any cable, like you take like a power cable and you cut it, put the cables next to each other. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to conduct any electricity. And that's kind of where I'm at. So my, my spine's back in line. Like I'm, I'm fused. So my, my spinal column is one, one line, but even with those cords touching, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to transmit any electro electrical signaling. And they don't grow back. Uh, Nerves do, but it's so slow that, I mean, if I lived to be 800, maybe something would happen, but. Um, do you get it? Look, do, do you still go, uh, for visits and, and they look at it and check it out or no, it's over. You're it's so beyond you, behind you. Um, do you ever have that thing? You know, at? like, I don't even know how you I, do I have, I have just to make sure that I'm not doing any damage to it. You know, I'm, I'm not super easy on myself or easy on like how hard I try on things. Um, and so I have like my bone density, even though I don't have like function is still higher than most people's. Um, my, I don't have any bulging discs or anything around my, my fusion. Like my spine's perfectly healthy outside of the severing of that one por- portion of it, um, which is kind of unheard of for someone who's been in a chair for 10 years. I think a lot of that is CrossFit. Um, so I'll, I'll go get it checked out every once in a while just to make sure I'm not doing anything stupid, but so far nothing. I, I, I was on one of my uh, wild rants the other day and I used you as an example. It's, it's hard for me to appreciate other people's hardship when I think about your, what you had to go through, what you had to overcome, that you went from a guy who p- played all the sports, uh, just a, a, a fiery, passionate character. And then all of a sudden, Hey, nope, sorry, you don't get your legs anymore. Well, I mean, it's, it sounds bad, but I'd rather have purpose than like function. And I, I've been really blessed with the last 10 years having a very, I think a very large purpose, a very large calling to, to help other people. And that's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. So like, yeah, it'd be, it, like, it'd be cool to have leg functioning, I guess, but not without the, not if I had to sacrifice the purpose that I'm working on right now. And I, I think that you have, um, the, the reason why I bring the whole story up again is I think you've transcended you know, your injury, you know, I think for maybe a couple of years, Oh, that was the guy, that's the guy that, you know, uh, lost his legs in the CrossFit mm-hmm. accident, but you're not that guy anymore. Now you're a staple in the community that that's like, probably like, you know, number 10, probably a lot of people have never even heard that story until just now. I mean, the, the more people who don't know, like, I like, I like the story because it teaches people safety when you're talking about setup and lifting mm-hmm. and competitions. It's great. Mm-hmm. But the more people that like, I've always said it, the more I can kind of like fade in the background and help people from the back with it. I'm fine with that. Um, I, I remember Greg saying, I, uh, he does not talk about his, uh, polio. I, I, maybe I've heard, and I'm around him a lot, mm-hmm. like a fucking lot. Like I talk to him every day and I've heard him talk about it less than a dozen times, less than once a year. But I, the most 
kind of uh, poignant thing he ever said to me is he he doesn't talk about it because he doesn't he didn't want anyone ever to say he got well they did say he got tired of hearing oh that's pretty good for a guy with one leg mm -hmm. and it's just like he, he just didn't want to hear that anymore so he yeah. doesn't so he just stopped talking about it yeah i mean that's i think that's one of the cool things about the the adaptive side of, of crossfit now it's like it's no longer oh that's cool for a guy with one arm like we have do, people doing like one arm rope climbs and one arm handstand walks it's not just good for someone with one arm that's insane for anyone right the the most the thing that when i if someone says adaptive and i close my eyes the first thing that always pops into my head is the um the logan guy uh who's now over logan Aldridge, yeah yeah i i love him and i just think of all those one arm cleans and jerks and all that crazy shit he does mm -hmm. my brain still can't get my, my head wrapped around it every i just had one of those videos pop up the other day on my instagram I'm like how how yeah, I mean, we have a lot of athletes who do that stuff. There's a guy named Vic. He's uh, who's out in North Carolina. I think he's down in Florida now. Um, who does the same thing? Casey Ackery does it. Like, yeah, like Casey Ackery. That's watching another... Casey Ackery catch like two thirty-five on one arm and a nub is incredible to me. Here's another thing that's probably not going to be a popular thing I'm going to say. Um, when you see someone with a, a, a limb missing, you you th you start just maybe just thinking about function or all these things the last thing you think is oh that's a beautiful body but not only that these guys have beautiful bodies like yeah. logan and casey's bodies are like they're these are like greek gods you, you're like holy shit these guys are beautiful human beings what one the one thing i think able-bodied athletes could really learn from adaptive athletes is working on their efficiency hmm. if you watch casey logan uh vic any of these one-armed seated athletes any of these guys their efficiency is out of this world because they can't hide it with hip function or two hands and so like the efficiency of their movement has to be impeccable and they, they work that skill a ton and i think of a lot more able-bodied athletes did that we'd see a huge spike in a lot of this a lot of these uh a lot of these numbers for a lot of these workouts uh, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier too about um uh resting and and and, and doing the the not fun stuff those guys have mm -hmm. clearly concentrated on their motor recruitment patterns and all the minutia right to work yeah, through those. absolutely i mean you have to if you're if you're on clean and jerk 225 with one hand you have to be almost perfect yeah is, is that a world record for one hand uh, that's the heaviest i've ever seen one hand to clean and jerk from logan yeah this dude's so such a stud so Kay, casey's closer to 300 uh, but we, he's what we call a two-point contact because he actually uses that that residual limb to help stabilize which no less impressive He's still residual, cleaning like 300. Residual limb. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, so like, he, I mean, he's still cleaning jerking close to 300 pounds or around 300 pounds. So. I'm looking up the definition of re residual. I just love, uh, uh, what remains after most of something is gone. <laughs> oh God. It is. Yeah, of, of course, of course. Uh, Beaver, my, my wife just texted me and told me that she sent you my x-ray. Are you cool with me pulling it up? Yeah, dude, as long as it's not going to make people sick. No, I think it'll be fine. Pull it up. So, so, um, so the accident happens and, um, what do you, what, what happens then? What is, what happens to your, uh, Wow. Yeah. So that's my T, T11, T12 junction. And the only fracture you see that little chip yeah right there that's the only fracture i had what's it looks like you have two spines i i what's that all those white things in the back that go that parallel to your spine what is that 
bony prominences. Okay. That's the part that's out your back. This is like your main spine. Oh, like and that other stuff. Stick, is that your rib cage on that side? Which way? Where's his stomach? Where's his belly button? So I think this is, yeah, I think this is upside down. So my, my hips are higher than the rest of everything else. Oh, okay. So that lump in the back's your ass. No, that's, that's where the, that's where the, my, my bones are pushing out. Holy shit. Okay. So, uh, how long before you recover? Oh man. <clears throat> well, uh, I was sneaking out of the hospital like two weeks later to go back to my CrossFit gym because I was sick of doing like lat pull downs and bicep curls. So I don't know, like truly recover. I don't know, man. Like in the hospital, being in the hospital, like you have everyone around you, it's fine. The first three months out of the hospital was probably the worst, the hardest part. It was <clears throat> miserable. Like I, uh, I mean, I know the suicide rate within the first three months outside of hospitals is probably highest for paraplegics. And there's a reason it's just really hard. There's a lot of reminders. There's a lot of struggling. Like what once took you two minutes is now taking you an hour and a half to do. And it's really frustrating. And I don't know. I think, um, you're really I was fortunate. everything cars, brushing you're, you're, your teeth, making a bowl of baby. soup, taking a shit. Everything's brand new. You have to learn how to sit up. I had yeah. to learn how to sit up, put on my shoes, wipe my own butt. Like they're like, you have to learn everything again. Um, and so it's, and they try to teach in the hospital as best they can, but at a certain point, it's once the training wheels comes off, it's still really rough and it's a really hard go. And I was, I was super fortunate to have, um, a group of, of other paraplegics, other wheelies that reached out to me and helped me out. Um, Chris Doutenberg, who was one of the co-owners of Wheelwad with me was one of them. Angel Gonzalez, Gustavo Marquez, um, like those guys were were a rock for me when I really needed it and helped me through a lot of the, the darker points of that. But even just the CrossFit community, like seeing how much the CrossFit community rallied around me, like I was fired up. I had a purpose. I knew what I needed to work on. And so I think I just kind of put my head down and worked. I don't know if it was the healthiest thing. It probably caught up with me like a year later when I actually had to like take stock on <clears throat> what I lost and process it. But um, it helped me through that hard time initially. And uh, so I don't know, like a couple, couple of years before I felt I wouldn't say normal, but felt like I had a grasp on what was going on. Um, so what I heard you say is basically it happened. And instead of like focusing, so, so let, let me go back a second. Um, there was a guy, I can't remember who, if he was on the show or it was a story I heard, but basically he said after, I forget, I can't even remember what happened to him. He had an accident and his whole entire vision for the future of his life when he looked at it, it was no longer there because whatever happened mm -hmm. to him was he couldn't do anymore, right? Um, did, did that? And I was like, "Hey, did you even know you had a vision before? Is that what happened to you too? Like, you get home and you're like, oh shit, the whole future's gone.' Like, no, you didn't even no, no, no. I, um, I mean, it go, goes back to what I believe in. I believe in hard work. I believe in God puts us on this earth for a reason. I've always known my reason was to help, and so I woke up from my first surgery that I had a fifteen percent chance of surviving from." knowing that if I was still alive and I wasn't dead, that God had kept me on this earth for a very specific purpose. And I wasn't hundred percent sure what it was yet. I knew it was to help people, but I was going to work my ass off and figure it out. But I, I, I don't really think I like obviously had nights where I was like, this is horrible. I hate this. Like, I don't know why I was kept alive, but on, on the whole overall, like the second I woke up from that surgery that was supposed to kill me, like I had a doctor come in and say, call people you love. You are not surviving the surgery. Say goodbye. No shit. Yeah. I spent, did you do that? Oh yeah. A few hours calling people that I cared about, like 
uh, my cousin David that I grew up with, my best friend, I, I remember that phone call. I don't remember a lot of them because I was on a lot of drugs. But I remember that phone call, having to tell him that like I wasn't going to make it. This he wasn't. What did they think again. was going to happen to you? What did they think you were going to bleed out or something? So well, I had what, what's called a spinal thoracotomy. So they had because of the severity of my my break, um, they had to go through my side. So they basically had to slice my side open, uh, deflate my lung, pull out my organs, uh, go in from the top and like inch by inch, maybe even centimeter by centimeter, like realign my spine. And hope that one of those movements didn't kill me. And it it was like, I think like a nine or 10 hour surgery of just gushing blood. And so like, I lost most of my blood. I lost a lot of blood. I had a lot of transfusions. So shout out to anyone that's given blood because it's kept me alive. Um, but when I say cross it saved my life, most people die from that surgery because they don't have enough oxygen left in the blood that they have, that it kills them. The brain goes dead, you're dead. And because I've been training at CrossFit and living it, uh, training CrossFit in Colorado for so long, my red blood cell count was high enough to keep me alive. Dude, I I didn't know that story. I'd never mm -hmm. heard that story. So you that'll that'll fucking reset your shit, huh? Calling people and yeah. telling them goodbye. Oh yeah, I had to call like everyone that was in my family that hadn't made it out yet. I had to give them a call. All my friends, like just one by one, just started calling people and telling them like, "Hey, I'm not making the surgery, so love you, but goodbye." So, so like wake, waking up from that, waking up from the first surgery, not dead, felt pretty lucky. Like I've never felt, and I can only express it as like the hand of God helping me. I've never felt more calm and at peace in my entire life. Wow. So not scared. Not scared. Not freaking out. Just calm. Complete surrender to what? Yeah. Whatever he needs me to do. That's what I'm going to do. When you call those people, are there a lot of tears? Oh, yeah, dude. I've, I've never cried. So, well, maybe. Probably one of the most times I've ever cried in my entire life. Was that? Was that, yeah. Like, you're just on the phone. Like, I, there's probably phone calls they probably couldn't understand me. I was sobbing so much. Like, how am I supposed to tell someone goodbye? Holy I'm, shit. I'm I just keep thinking of what your parents must have gone through. Holy shit. Oh, my parents, like, you know. I'm so thankful they got to get out there and see me before that surgery. So like we had a whole bunch of people around us back then with the barbells for boobs, people who flew them out, make sure they got out there um, to see me before I had to go on that first surgery, just in case I did pass away. So, so, so you, and, and you make it out of that. And is, is that the last surgery you had? No, I had a sec. So that one was just to get my spine back in line. And yeah. so then they had to slice me down the back and then put my hardware in. So I have four plates, two rods and eight screws from T10 down to L1. Any complications during any of this? No, my, the, the surgeon in Colorado, when I went to Craig, who saw my x-rays after with my hardware in said he has never seen a more perfect surgery in their entire life. Like wow. I could fall off a 10 story building. The only thing that would survive is that section of my spine because there's, it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Oh God. I love hearing that. Uh, Steven Flores, uh, what, what was your PT's thoughts on you still doing CrossFit? Um, I was, I was lucky. Uh, the, the guy who was actually my PT at Craig hospital does, did CrossFit in his garage. So I was lucky. Um, most everyone at Craig didn't like it. Uh, they thought it was silly. That's why I was sneaking out to go do it. Um, they thought I was going to hurt myself. I had one, um, doctor tell me that I shouldn't do CrossFit because pressing something overhead is dangerous for my shoulders, but I should go try downhill skiing. Which when <laughs> I brought up the, when I brought up the cognitive dissonance and the stupidity of that sentence, he did not like me much anymore. Um, but then honestly, now they love it. Uh, after a couple of years of me showing them what CrossFit could do, they, they were one of the outings for Craig now. So Craig PTs 
refer inpatients and outpatients to come to my gym to learn how to do CrossFit. Oh, dude, that is a, what a success story. And like their, their, their gym facility went from lat pull downs, rickshaw dips, 10 pound dumbbells for bicep curls to rings, rowers, ski ergs, um, barbells. Like they have, they, they have a mini, mini gym inside their facility at this point. I do love a lat pull down. I mean, they're fun, but that, that wasn't at that point in time, that wasn't, what's going to make me right. better at moving my own body around. Right. I'm, I'm right. like, my lats were already strong enough. I right. need to learn the mechanics of moving. Yeah. I just, I, when I, I went to a hotel gym recently, um, in Ben, Oregon, and my kids had never done a lap pull down and we, we just hung out at the lap pull down machine. God, I used they, to love the lap are, pull down. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I still love, <laughs> I still love some meathead stuff. Like yeah. every once in a while, some reverse flies some lap yeah. pull downs, like yeah. bicep curls. Like I still like them. I but, had them do know. skull crushers there. All this shit. Oh yeah. So much fun oh, shit. Yeah. The, the seated uh, shoulder press. God. Mm -hmm. God, the meathead gym is so fun. Um, So, so, so uh, great story. And so you're, so you, you've parlayed all of these things and, and it's, it's every day your life makes more and more sense, especially as mm -hmm. people like who come from this hospital, come to your gym. You're like, got it. Got it. This is like sort of the Matt Schindeldecker thing, but he had this crazy life happen to him. And 25 years later, I don't know if you know his story. Do you know his story? No, not top of my head. He, he's a, he's a, a gym owner in Ohio and wild, wild stories as a youth. And now he's really, oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you, you're talking right? about, right? Yep. I know you're talking about, yeah. Murder, he's gonna killings be and shit. And like now, <clears throat> now he's like 25 years later, he's like, oh shit. That's yeah. this whole pr process was for this. So you're he's, really, he's gonna be really mad at me that I didn't remember him off the top of my head. I apologize, <laughs> okay. Matt. Like, no, me, I put you on the spot. have talked a bunch of times. Yeah. Sorry, put, Matt. No, 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 no. I put you on the spot. I, I, if you would have brought up his name, I'd have forgot to. So, so all, all that's, uh, 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 going and when when do you start um start thinking that uh, about comps again what tell me about wheel wad and your relationship with uh what do you guys call him you guys call him stout stouty stouty his name's um, his name's chris stoutenberg but we just call him stouty because he's canadian and you can't ha have a canadian without a nickname okay uh i like stoutenberg is he jewish i i've never asked oh stoutenberg is he is that stoutenberg what he's jewish i, think. I don't I, like I don't think he's jewish but oh, his name's right. stoutenberg all right, fine. He um, so I, I'll anoint he, him. He's now Jewish. Uh, he, um, how, how did your paths cross with him? And, and how did you get, when did you start thinking, Oh, I could, I could actually still compete. So he reached out to me like within the first week of me being in the hospital. Um, and he was kind of like the attitude that I needed. Cause it was basically like, you know, you're fine. This isn't that bad of life. You can, you can do what you need to stop being a, stop being a pansy. Um, you know, you're not broken. You're not, you're not lesser, just, you know, work. And so we became really close while I was in the hospital. He was a mentor of mine, like walking me through, uh, walking me through, rolling me through uh, a lot of and the stuff. His deal? He doesn't have, he doesn't have access to his legs. He doesn't. So he was paralyzed. Uh, I guess it's 25 years. So he's, here's a cool story for you for, for the benefits of CrossFit. He was paralyzed 25 years ago. Uh, he was on, he was playing um, football down in Illinois, uh, even though he's from Canada and the, the railing broke and he fell 15 feet onto, onto uh, the only patch of grass that was there on two sides of concrete and um, paralyzed himself. He's a T4, T5 paraplegic, so basically like nipple line down. He's went on to win multiple gold medals for the Paralympics in basketball. When he retired from that, he started crossfitting. Uh, he just recently broke his leg from a spat, like his, he spasmed when he caught his leg underneath his bed frame and snapped his femur. And normally at that point, for he's been in a chair for so long, you're so osteoporotic or um, 
your bones are so brittle they basically have to amputate because you can't you can't bind the bones but after you know 10 12 years of crossfit plus uh he still has the bone density of a walking person and the only wow. reason we can think of is crossfit we load the legs we we move around we force those bodies to move and so his bone density saved his life wow that's crazy yeah that's so, a good story so we we met we started chatting about things so i, I got hurt in january uh i got out of the hospital at the beginning of march right i think i got out of the hospital either right after or right before the first week of the open and i had never missed an open to that point i refused to miss an open and um so i got out and i was like saudi what are we gonna do for this and he'd already been adapting the open for a couple of years he started in like 2011 2012 and so he just started adapting the open workouts as they came out and we did them did them for fun against each other and just talk trash and then the next year we got it on comp corner and started bringing more people in the next year people with that were you know this is 2016 at this point we had enough people involved that we had a I think the very first in-person competition for the wheelwad games where we brought everyone at that back then it was just like what seated. year is that what year is that i think 16 2016. Okay. Uh-huh. um that was that that year we just had if you're seated you're a seated athlete if you're standing with the lower extremity or lower standing an upper standing those are the only three categories we had um you know 2017 grew more 2018 <clears throat> uh grew even more uh, and that's this time like i was kind of competing i was throwing down on the online stuff but i, I was more focused on trying to help Saudi on the back end or help develop more of these adaptive, this adaptive stuff. And so I would compete for funsies, but, um, I didn't really compete in person, uh, outside of Wadapalooza. So I did that for a couple of years before I started helping run it. The only time I really competed in person was, uh, 2018 at the wheelwide games was the only year I did it. And, and how, how many, how big is wheelwide this year? How big was it? How many competitors? Uh, we had a hundred and, 10 adaptive athletes at the wheelhouse games this last year. And, and how many divisions is that? We had 14 last year. We have 15 this year. Yeah. What's the end to that? Is it impossible to have a division for everyone? Yes. Is it, it is impossible. It's impossible. I mean, if you want to start breaking it down to what's completely fair, you'd have to break it down for seated athletes, vertebrae by vertebrae. You'd have to right. start breaking it down um, right. for for uh, even amputees by how long their residual limb is right like you'd like it's it's impossible to make it completely fair but so is crossfit right you mean i mean i'm i'm six three where i was six three when i was standing up and competing i mean it's fair for me to try to squat as fast as you know chris spieler right it's not gonna happen it's not fair but it's a sport you know what is the what is the temperament around that as the so here you are putting on this event and I bring it up because it's what I always hear about the most, like right at the beginning of the event and then after event, you always hear a little bit of noise from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I, I like it that people explain it to me. Um, but as you put on this event and there's all these different classes and you're doing your best and then people complain, what's your temperament about that? Or do people not complain? I feel like I hear yeah, people complain. People complain. And like, to be fair, we'll take their complaints and we'll look into them. If it's yeah. a valid complaint, yeah, it's something we should fix and, and, and help hopefully have them help us develop it. You know, I, we're, we're not, it's not falling on deaf ears. My big thing. And I just recently, I've been saying this for years. And I just recently found out, I guess it's a Teddy Roosevelt quote is like, you know, bringing up problems without a solution is called whining. Oh, I and just I don't, saw that a couple of days ago on Instagram. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been saying that for years and like, I don't mind you bringing problems to me. 
I like constructive criticism. Obviously I'm on the level one, level two staff. Let's get that all the time. Like I, I love that stuff. Like tell me how to be better and let me look into how to make that work. But if you come to me and you just always whine and you never present a solution to things, I'm just going to kind of start ignoring you. Cause like, if you're not presenting solutions, you're always presenting problems. Um, the goal like, is, I assume is you're trying to make it fair, but you still need competitive classes. Like, like, I guess on one hand you can be like, Hey asshole, do you want to show up? And you're the only person in your, uh, it's like when my mom goes and runs a marathon and she's like, I won the gold. And I go, how many people in your division? She goes, just me. It's like, do you, do you want someone to compete against or not? Right. I mean, that that's how, um, the minutia that you could get into with vertebrae and how much yep. of your arm you have and how much hip and all that shit. Right. Yeah. And you can. And so what we look for is how much of it, and this is the kind of the tough part, how much of it is because of your fitness and how much of it is because of your impairment. And at certain times, like if oh, it's, they're just, there's so some things be that, like, Hey dude, you're just a pussy. <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't phrase it that way, but yeah, sometimes it's just like, you're just not fit. It is not right. because you're like, it's not because you're impairment that you can't do this movement. You are just unfit at that movement. And that's not a dig on your character. That should fire you up to go work on it. Right. It shouldn't be like, Hey, I'm unfit at this. I'm, I'm going to shut down and cry myself to sleep. It's like, no, I suck at this. Well, damn, next time I'm not going to suck at this. Okay. Let me, give you the, let, me, let me give you a real world example since we sh saw Casey Acree. So you got, you got Casey Acree who has that residual limb that he could, <laughs> Would he compete against Logan? Would they both no. do one arm? Got no. They're two different. So we have upper one point, upper two point. It depends on on how much oh, control like, that residual in contact. Have. Is that what you're? Okay. Yeah. So one point of contact and two point of contact. So Casey uses straps and everything for uh, two points of contact, and Logan always does most things with one point of contact. And so there's there's certain things like that where Logan doesn't have the option because of impairment to attach the same way Casey does. That transition times to strap into certain things to try to make it fair don't make sense. It's the same reason why we have seated with hip and seated without hip. So I'm seated without hip. I have no hip function for me to compete with someone who has the stability, strength, uh, coordination, all that other kind of stuff of hip function. I'm never going to like, I, I could probably beat some of those guys, but it's never going to be I'm, the amount of work I have to do past fitness to beat you is, is creates a, a wildly unfair. And so like, we are looking for big differences that create like almost insurmountable differences um a unicycle versus a bicycle race it's just not yeah it doesn't make sense and and so like we we split there but if you come to tell me and say like hey like he has an extra inch of residual limb or he's two vertebrae above me it's like uh, okay be be fitter work harder um are, are you an uncharted is crossfit in uncharted territory are you guys inventing the the wheel like th this is not i mean i, I know there's been other adaptive mm -hmm. um events but not with a myriad of movements right i mean like 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 no no one's ever done a i saw one of your videos i was watching on instagram you're doing a sled pool crawling i'm like shit i've yeah. never seen that like so like in some things you just have to re you're reinventing the wheel right or not reinventing i mean sorry of uh, uh, forging new ground opposite of reinventing i the wheel. i can't for sure say that we we are doing things for the first time first time for me maybe right um that was the first time me crawling and stuff like that um i know some pre people probably done it before me like you can't, if you um, did that as a race at Wheelwad, you can't go look at the Olympics and see what they did. They never done that. Yeah. No, There's no one's well, ever the, done that. Right. The big difference here is that like, we can't, we can take some stuff from Paralympic sports. We can't take a lot because when you were talking about uh, Paralympic sports or Olympic sports, they have a very specific avenue of, of work. Like if you're a sprinter, you're just sprinting so they can correct for this, for the, the mechanics of the sprint. 
um, and make it as fair as possible. If you're talking about, you know, bench press, which is a pair of powerlifting, like you can correct for a lot of that stuff because you're only doing one movement. The, the, the trouble with classifying and programming for CrossFit is that everything's on the table. And so we can't just say, Hey, you know, we're going to take away this stuff from you because we're only doing this movement. It's, it could be any movement. So we have to broaden our scope of, of thought as far as what movement looks like, what's fair and not fair, and how could this can be um, corrected for within programming. Hey, that, that, um, uh, could Casey enter if he said, Hey, I'm not going to use my residual limb. Could he enter the division that Logan's in? Yeah, he could, I guess. If he could, really an able-bodied per- could an able-bodied person enter? No. Uh, you can't have two limbs and be like, hey, I'm going to go against Logan, but I'm just going to use one too? No. So what, what our definition is what we look at is that you have to have a permanent impairment that has measurable uh, effects on power output. Okay. Um, and God, even that we like have CrossFit. This sounds like CrossFit. Yeah. So we're looking at we're looking at your body's capacity to produce power and how your impairment affects that. But it has to be a permanent impairment that affects it. We do have we do have a category now that's it's brand new. It's called standing diagnosed. It's for people who have a permanent impairment or diagnosis that their impairments are present and affect power output, but are unmeasurable or I, I should say uncorrectable. So like um, like someone with MS may have like heat intolerance. Well, we can't say, well, you have this much more heat intolerance than someone else. So we're going to decrease your, your weight by five pounds or reps by six reps. You know, if you have um, like severe fatigue that comes alongside like dialysis or any, anything like that, or like lung capacity, we have a guy who has like 50% of his lung capacity. Well, we can't How say about Rory like McKernan. He only has one testicle. Um, Really? As manly as that dude is? That is true. Dude, I think God took his testicles, so he wasn't wasn't even more manly can than he you, is. That's insane. Can you imagine? He is manly <clears throat> as fuck. That's great. He, he actually, like, I think I have a pretty good beard. He outbeards me for sure. And, dude, his head is like a block. He is a man-child. He is Lord, beautiful. He is a beast. Okay, that that that's that's wild. Uh, that one that division is going to get what? Why you open yourself up to a can of worms with that one? Yeah, I, I'm here's what I'm guessing. Tell me if this is true. You open that up as kind of a catch all to appease people, but in the end, it's just going to be a crazy headache for you. Someone's going to be like, I mean, there was a girl I think I saw competing at Wheelwad one year, and she had exercised induced Tourette's and her, her Tourette's was crazy when she started exercising. I want to say she was rowing and would take one hand off the rower and do some shit. Would that yeah. fall under that category? That would fall. And that's kind of like her and a couple other people. Is, we didn't open it up to kind of catch all, but we opened it up because we saw this. I mean, I'm, I mean, like, where do you stop? Crossfit. Where do you stop Kevin? Like, where do you stop? Uh, we, we stop at, it has to be a, 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 a diagnose, uh, disorder. Uh-huh. It has to have unmeasurable secondary and tertiary um, symptoms. So like a good um, a good example, we had this guy ask a question, and unfortunately, we just don't have a spot for it yet. Um, someone asked about a heart transplant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, and I can my, – That's my, valid my, as shit because you can be like, yep, you got a, you got a new heart. Well, it, it doesn't qualify. Let me yeah. tell you why. So we consulted my, – my father-in-law happens to be a, a very successful cardiothoracic surgeon, so I called him. I wanted to talk through the symptoms. And his exact words were, not that there's nothing that they that that's wrong with heart transplant or like something you don't have to deal with afterwards, but if the heart transplant went well, like you shouldn't have that many symptoms that are that limiting outside of like just checking yourself, which is something we can't really measure for. If the heart transplant didn't go well, you probably shouldn't be competing. 
you should right. be taking care of yourself. Right. And so, and so what we're looking for is like secondary and tertiary um, uh, impairments that we can't really measure, but are, are have a direct effect on someone's ability to produce power. Like heat, heat exhaustion, fatigue, lack of, um, lack of lung function. We can't measure these things to the point of correlating them to how we change programming, but they are present. We can see their effect on power output. It must be kind of crazy when, um, I don't know if this has happened. I'm guessing it's happened when someone tries to enter a class, but, but they think they qualify for, and they don't, and you have to tell them that must be like a, a hard conversation. It, it is. And like, uh, I mean, we try to, we try to have a place for almost everyone. Um, but in, in all fairness, like some people just don't qualify and it's very yeah. hard conversation. And we have a lot of people who are, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, out of the number of athletes you have, it was a small handful of athletes who are probably very upset with me and probably don't like me too much because of the conversations I've had to have for them. Cause like no one, no one wants to hear. And it's not that we're saying like, Hey, you're not, you're not crippled enough. You're not adaptive enough. It's just like, right, Hey, right. That's how they, but are, they probably hear it. Like, that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Here are our guidelines. Please tell me where, like, and I've had this conversation with a few, like here are our guidelines that we're putting people in classes for. You think you're in this class. We think you're in this class because here are our guidelines. We're not right. saying that you're, that you don't have to struggle with things. We're not saying that things aren't hard for you. We're not saying that you're not an adaptive athlete. What we're saying is that like, we have to split things somewhere. And unfortunately that's going to affect people. And just because you think that your symptoms are here, doesn't mean that they're measurably there. Right. And that, that's a, that's a hard thing for people to hear. But what I want people to think about that, like if someone came to me as an adaptive athlete myself and said, Hey, you have worked your ass off and you've developed this function to the point where it's no longer fair for you to p- compete in this category. We're going to have you compete in this category. You know how stoked I would be. Oh, interesting. Even what if it meant that, that I was at the, what would that that look I was like? at the bottom of the barrel, like for me, it's, it's not going to happen. Cause I'm not going to regain hip function. Right. Um, by hard work. Um, but like, for some of our like our neuro athletes, or um, you know, mostly just our you've neuro seen athletes that happen. Someone enter a division that had that was a uh, uh, less. Yeah, apologize if this is the wrong word. Less capable division, and then they graduate. Like, oh, oh, dude, hey, two years ago we didn't see your hip moving. Now we see your hip moving. You got to move up. Yeah, I mean, or, or um, lateral. I don't know. I, and I, right and word, I, I love you. I love this guy to death. Death. Uh, mm-hmm. Brett Horshar. He's a multi-times games winner. He is a phenomenal human. He is awesome. Two, two, three years ago, I had a relapse of his MS. I would categorize him as a minor neuro. He had some visible stuff that we can measure and put him in minor neuro. He has since been good. His MS has been um, like it's not technically a remission, but it kind of is a remission. And he's been training his ass off. I would put him in. He is currently in standing diagnosis. He's one of our toughest standing diagnosed athletes. How did he take it? Did he take it good? Uh, he took it great. Like he understands. Like he he's a smart dude. Like he, we show him the guidelines and he he reads them and he's like, dude, you're, you're creating spaces for me. Yeah, this dude is not only a great athlete. Like you ever like almost hate someone because they're so nice and look good with their shirt off. Yeah, you're like well, you're that's crazy. not him. Yeah, yeah. But that dude's one of them. that dude falls in that category. Yeah, like Brett, Brett's Brett's one of those dudes. Like he's a fit looks great. And like one of the nicest dude, dudes I've ever met. And like, I don't know. So he took it. Well, some people didn't take it well, but there's some people again who probably dislike me. And in all honesty, if I'm doing my job, um, well, and, and trying to eliminate every bias that I have, yeah. there should be some people that hate me. And if everyone loves me, then I'm probably not doing my job that well. Yeah. Don't hate Kevin, dude. You guys are out of your mind. I don't believe it. 
Uh, uh, look at Ma uh, Madeline uh, uh, Egg Eggert in the green dress. I love nice shirtless people. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, uh, Ke Kevin, uh, you have a, a pretty um, a famous uh, sense of humor. I, I want to yeah. show you. I want to show you this. Sorry, Caleb. Uh, I didn't. I didn't tell you this. I want. I want to show you this video right here. <laughs> I love this video. Yeah, so awesome. I, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the video, and then and then we'll talk about how this comes about, and and like, okay. is, is so so it's the it's the uh, meme for time guy is coaching another athlete, and then that's is that your wife coaching you? Yep. And then it's a race. And and your your Instagram account is littered with uh, funny uh, bits and stunts and one liners and all sorts of stuff like this. Who's I, so many questions about this? We, uh, has anyone ever pushed you out of it? Is that pushed you out of a chair before? Did, who comes up with that idea? Is that is it? Uh, is anyone be like that's so insensitive? Or now that's going to start uh, people uh, pushing people out of wheelchairs? Or is there any? Or are you just like fuck you? It's my life. I'm going to be funny. I mean, it's a great. I bit. mean, if you if you if you can't take a joke, if you don't have a sense of humor and that offends you, it's probably not someone I really want to talk to because you well, take life too seriously. It's based on the fact that you shouldn't push someone out of a wheelchair, and that's the funny. Why? bit. That's the bit, right? Why? You're right. Right. You get out of the way. I, I guess what you're saying is you shouldn't push someone out of wheelchair as much as you shouldn't push anyone down. Yeah. Well, like why are we like it's just like why why does the wheelchair have to qualify anything? So this all came about because I think it's I think it's hilarious. I think I think it's hilarious people, too. Yeah. I think and people fun to watch people visually. Like, yeah. oh shit, he's really gonna push Kevin out. I can't wait to see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Like I I've wanted to do a video where someone pushes me out in public forever, and I and I met Rolo, and I was like, hey. What do you think about tossing me out of my chair? You're you're pretty adventurous with this this adaptive stuff. Oh, that stuff. was your idea. I wanted to do it forever. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so he like he's like, let me think about it. Let me think this through. And so I saw him at the Wheelwad Games. And he was doing all these things. And he's like, I finally got it. I know what I want to do. And so he pitched this idea to me. We're like, uh, that's Brett Palzer. He's one of the adaptive athletes that uh, in seated with hip. He's a great guy. And um, he's like, what if you start to beat Brett at something and I tackle you out of your chair? He's like, are you okay with me tackling you? I'm like, dude, I have missed being tackled so much from my rugby days. Hit me as hard as you want. Let's go for it. He's like, you sure? I'm like, what's like, we'll put some padding down. What's the worst that happens? Like, I'm already paralyzed. You're not going to like do anything worse to me. So like, let's send it. And um, is that in one take? Uh, no, it was like three takes. Because he wasn't comfortable hitting you hard enough to knock you over? No, it actually, he hit, he hit me pretty hard a few times. Um, <laughs> but we, we just, we just missed it. It wasn't right timing a few times. So it was like, I think it was like three or four takes and it was in front of the audience at the wheel game. So there was actually people in the stands watching. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, the timing is pretty amazing. Yeah. How he runs up. So how many times did you get pushed out of the chair? Uh, probably like three or four. Damn. Yeah. It's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a it's a great bit. You get it. You ever get any? Uh, you, do, I, I guess it, obviously you don't care, but do you ever get any negative feedback about your joking around? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I offend people. I offend people all the time. Uh, they get offended by me for me. I guess is a way of saying it. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh, so that, like I, that group, I know that group. Yes. Yeah. So like I'm, I always make the joke like when they ask like Hey, do you need help? Like when I get groceries, like Hey, do you need help out to the car? I'm like Nah, I'm a pretty good self-propelled shopping cart. Um. And like, I had a lady one time, like grab my shoulder and spin me around and be like, don't talk about yourself that way. You're so much more than a shopping cart. And I was like, chill lady is a joke. I understand that I'm more than a shopping cart. I'm sentient. All right. It's a completely different thing. So. You know, what's interesting. So 
you see someone who's um uh pregnant. Uh, you see someone who's uh, missing an arm. Uh, you see someone who's a dwarf. You see just whatever. Uh, you see two guys uh, holding hands or kissing. You just see th there's things in life that you see that you're not used to seeing. And so what people do is they pull away from it, right? I was going to say a septum ring, but now we see that all the time. But people people pull away, and that – I I – it's a bummer, right? Like someone sees a pregnant woman and it's like, like maybe and like her belly's out and everyone, you, you stare, but you're like, it's like almost like taboo to stare, but it, but, yeah. or, or you see someone who's, you know, uh, only four feet tall and it's taboo to stare. But the thing is, is like, we, I, I, I just love what you're doing because we shouldn't do that. It should, it, we should, those people, no one wants people, to be people, isolated people because they're different. Yeah. No one wants to be isolated because they look different. No, right? and, and people, or because they people behave project about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. not, it's not actually, it's not actually bad. People don't actually hate it. They just, they're so uncomfortable with their own stuff that like. Well, they're uncomfortable with the unknown. That's the whole. That's the. I mean, I brought the the, the guy, uh, two guys kissing. Like the reason why that fucking mm -hmm. bugs people. I would say ninety nine percent of people is because they're fucking. They've never seen it before. It's completely foreign to them. It was like they saw a UFO. And so you see, like, um, uh, I hate to keep going back to the dwarf thing, but you just don't see it. So when you see it and you're a seven-year-old kid, you're going to fucking stare. You just, I mean, uh, anytime I go somewhere and there's an adult with Down syndrome, my kids will stare. They don't know what's going, they, they just know something's different. And well, so the I more we make it taboo or there's not joking, then those people won't be that, that awkwardness will be there and i just love that what's, you're breaking that wall what's wrong with like here's my thing i, I i've had this conversation with a lot of adaptive athletes this this may be an opinion that, that pisses off some adaptive athletes why do you care if someone's staring at you right why why do you care i mean they're just trying to they're just trying to figure things out why does it offend you so like i'm 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 a 6'3 220 pound ginger with a big beard in a wheelchair yeah like people are going to stare at me no matter what I do. I'm a human. They've never seen anything scene. like you. Yeah, the, yeah. You're a rolling scene. You're a great thing walking down the street. Yeah. Who cares? Let them yeah. let them stare. Let them figure it out. Like it'll make them more comfortable, especially kids. Do Anyone kids talk to you, little kids, all the time. Oh yeah. my god, it's my absolute favorite. It's my absolute favorite because they're so honest and they ask such great questions. And dude, if you get mad at a kid for staring at you because you have a disability, you need to really reflect on why you hate yourself because that's the only reason I can come up with. If you're upset at a kid for staring at you, it's because you're not comfortable with you. It's not that you don't like them staring. It's that you hate who you are, and you right. really need to take a look at that. Right. I don't hate who I am. I have a great life. I have a hot wife. I have a cool gym. I have a great job. Like I get to do some really great stuff. I get to help some people. Why do I care if you're staring at me? Go right. ahead. Like Take take a gander. Like I'm, I'm a weird-looking person. I look like the Kool-Aid guy in a wheelchair. Little tiny legs, big red upper body. <laughs> like, stare away, man. Do you have a Kool-Aid shirt? I don't. I need to get a Kool Aid shirt. Steal that. <laughs> Meantime, everyone at Wheelwad thanked me for tackling Kevin. They said they wish they could have. Yeah, that's true. I had a lot of people who asked uh, if we're going to start selling tickets to tackle me next year. Damn. Uh, Wheelwad is the same week as Wadapalooza. Yes, as far as I know. It, okay, as far as I know, too. Um, it, it, is that just a is that just a major bummer, or is that like fuck yeah, cool? We're, we have the no. community so big, we have two events at the same time. Dude, that that'd be like me getting upset because there's a CrossFit gym two miles down the road. 
Okay. I'm, okay. I'm not going to attract the same people that are going to want to go to Huntington Beach. I'm not going to, we're going to attract a different audience. We're going to attract a different set of sponsors. We're going to attract a different set of this. We're going to attract different things. And like, uh, hopefully like we're going to have a live stream. Hopefully they have a live stream so people can like go and watch both and enjoy both. But we just have, there's too many competitions now, like bigger competitions to be like, Oh, only one this weekend or only one. I, and I, I really hope that it is a smashing success out at Huntington beach. I hope they'd absolutely crush it. I hope it's a great event. I know nothing about it. Um, and but so, they are, but, like, but they are notorious for pay, for having good adaptive classes, right? The, the loud um, people. I mean, yeah, they they generally contract wheelwide. Okay, wheelwide okay. usually run, like okay. Wadapalooza, what the adaptive Wadapalooza is run by wheelwide. So they won't. Like, so will they contract you? Will you have to be in two places at the same time? No, no. We already no. talked to them, discussed it. Like just for this first year and the way they have it planned is uh, for what we've been told. It just didn't make sense to bring in adaptive when they haven't figured out fully okay. what they're going to do with with able bodied yet. Okay. Um, and so like nothing, nothing there, but there's also no animosity. They're not mad at us. We're not mad at them. Like it's, it's not like a, Oh, how dare you? It's like, no, like they're, they're, we're going to attract different people. And that's and great. It sounds like, it sounds like they're going to try some new stuff in regards to competitions in general there at SoCal sure. from talking to Dylan. Are are you excited? So what, what are you, what are your, are you excited about the, tell me about uh, the CrossFit games this year for the adaptive class. Do, do you know yeah. the location and the date? Yeah. So we, <clears throat> so we have the opens the same time as the open. So everyone's going to do the same thing. We'll release on the same day, about two hours after we're going to have a live uh, adaptive announcement two hours after the able-bodied so that people can tune in two hours later to our channels and, and watch three different adaptive athletes from three different categories, throw down on the adaptive versions eight, each week. Um, we're going to have a semifinals. Wait a second. In wait, a second wait a second. <clears throat> on Thursdays at 1 PM. There'll well, be two, another- I think, 2 p.m. Two okay, sorry. Two Thursdays on 2 p.m. It, what what that will that be on the CrossFit Games uh, uh, YouTube station? This it's going to be on our YouTube. Uh, I think CrossFit's we're working on that. We're working with them to see how much they can help us share it uh, and what their bandwidth is on that. Uh-huh. But it'll be on our YouTube. It'll be on our our uh, our Instagram. We're going to share it as much as possible. But yeah, we're going to have three athletes each week. They're going to throw down on the adaptive versions uh, and a local affiliate. And so the first affiliate, because I'm selfish and a turd, we're going to do it at mine for the first week because I want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the next week is going to be at CrossFit Arvada. And then the final week is going to be at News River in North Carolina. When you choose these, which guys are going to go, are you like, well, we have to include everyone? Or are you like, fuck that. We're choosing the guys who are most interesting. We're going to choose uh, a swooshy and tater because people want to see that shit go down. And we're going to choose the guys with the one arms because they're the strongest. And we're going to choose uh, these women because they're the prettiest. Like, do you do it for showmanship? I, I or are you it. like, well, I have to do this. Sorry, I'm no, making I, funny. I don't, but. I don't have to do anything. Okay, good. Um, but but what, I, what I chose to do is – Please tell me uh, you're doing tater and swooshy, please. No. We, so here's, here's – we, we had some couple guidelines from, from me. This is my guidelines. Okay. One, we had to make it cost-effective. It's our first year trying to do this. Fair. I really want to make sure it was good. So we, we chose local people around their affiliates. Um, then we chose people that haven't really been shown – or the categories haven't been shown too much uh, over the last couple of years because they weren't at the actual CrossFit Games. Okay. So we have seated we have seated athletes going. We have short stature athletes going. Uh, we have an AK going. Um, we have wait all again. Wait, wait. So there'll only be one short stature person going. No, I mean, yeah, at the time, yeah. So there's going to be Aaron Popovich week one, and then Blaze Foster week three. Oh, they're local so they, to the gyms. Okay. So the okay, okay. It, trust me, I understand the um uh the the money thing. It's crazy. It's crazy bringing people in and hotels and flights and all mm-hmm. that. Shit. All right, cool. Well, um, so, uh, 
I, I want to help promote those too. That, that what what if yeah. they do on Thursday? So let me know anything I can do or talk about we'll, or we'll send you all the information. It's, okay, yeah, it's gonna be really cool. We're bringing like all the gyms in. Um, any champions? Any champions <coughs> at, uh, yeah. at any of them? Which week so, will there be a champion? Um, let's see. I like the champions. I like winners. So Josh Robinson, week one, he's the uh, neuro minor champion. Um, uh, Brandon Mance, he's third place in the world right now. He'll be at week one. Aaron Popovich is the fittest short stature female, so she'll be at week one. Week two, we have uh, Lauren Farhat, who competed at the CrossFit Games, but also is the number one um, fittest lower AK currently. Uh, then we have um, Andrea Wilson that week. She's the fittest seated female without hip function. And then we also have Russell Almendinger, who is uh, one of the fittest neuromuscular majors in the world. Russell, Russell Almendinger? Yeah. Almendinger. Yep. Damn. One That's of the coolest guys. Ever. Like, the dude's the nicest dude. He's yes, sir, no, sir, all day. He's just great. Almond. I'm pretty sure if I told that dude to run his head into a wall until he made a hole, he would do the exact thing I told him. <laughs> He's just phenomenal. Um, and then week three, we have... Uh, John Heath, who I believe is second or third in the world right now for BK, uh, Blaze Foster, who's third right now in the world for short stature, and uh, Christina Mazzullo, who's number one in the world right now for upper two point for females. Let me see this. Oh, is, is that Russell Almondinger? Yep. What a name, dude! Damn, yep. Almondinger. Hey, dude, let me see this he's a monster. Yeah, let me see this Blaze dude. But he's Blaze Foster is awesome. He's also one of the top lifters in the world right now for the para powerlifting team is uh how how what how did he do last year at the uh games third third and and uh and that's the year that swoosh and tater tied right uh, well, uh, Murray? The, well i'm talking about wheel wide this last wheel oh. wide tater won uh swoosh was second and then blaze was third but how about at the game how about for the games uh he was actually competing for para powerlifting so he didn't do the games so gotcha. he competes on the world stage for for bench press. Can he beat um uh um Tim or uh, Mikey? Dude, he's he's real close, man. The guy the guy works on some skills and drills and some some gymnastics stuff, and it's going to be a three three way race this year. Are all three of the? Oh, I so I guess you don't know who's going because you don't know who's qualified yet. Yeah, I don't know who's qualified, but I mean, obviously, like if Mikey and Tater and Blaze all try, they're, they're going to qualify. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Um, so like if those three go, go, like they're gonna, it's going to be a fun show to watch those three compete. So he has, he has almost a 300 or right around a 315 bench press, I believe. Damn. And Hey dude, his arms really aren't that short. That's like how far I push the bar. Yeah. He's, he's another one who's just a nice guy who's super strong. All right. Hey dude, thanks for coming on. Great catching up with you. Uh, Absolutely. Um, oh, I didn't get to tell you the date and time. So September eighteenth, oh, yes. September nineteenth to the twenty second in San Antonio for the wheel uh, for the adaptive CrossFit Games by Wheelwood this year. Okay. Oh, and that's where. Um, who did we have on? Mike Egan. That's where he lives. Oh yeah, and that and that's where the um the the military has that battalion with dudes who have come back with uh pieces missing. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. crazy. All right. Cool. Shit. All right. Hey, dude, uh, stay in touch. Uh, please let me know yeah. anyway. Um, uh, I can blow these guys up. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to reach out to Blaze and see if I can get him on the show. Uh, thanks, thanks for everything you do. Um, just great catching up with you, dude. You demand. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're the realist. All right. Cool. <laughs>
Talk to you soon. Later, guys. Later, Bye. Kevin. Damn, he's he's a legit OG. He may have started CrossFit even before I did. Yeah, for sure. I didn't realize it was that long ago. That's cool. <clears throat> Fuck. I'm gonna throw him in there with like when you say like, hey, it's cool having people around from the the good old days. Throw him in there with Dave and Nicole. He's there. It's awesome. <clears throat> I just ordered a little desk on Amazon. Oh, my wife just said she she must have heard the show. What is what is this from? Someone I just saw a text come in. Seven, I want to thank you for your professionalism. I don't hear that very often. Who's that from? <clears throat> uh this blaze dude is jacked. Uh um Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks. He. I, I'm concerned for uh, uh, my boy Tim. Tim Murray. I'm yeah. a little concerned. Just looking at his. Just judging uh, Blaze by his body. I am. Uh, I'm. And and he and he's always smiling. Looks happy and shit. Big old smile. Yeah, that's that can't be good. Uh, can you see uh, comments on X? Yes, thank you, Miss Angel, Mister Angel, Louis Angel, Louise Angel. How you doing, Sergio? <clears throat> So good, so good. Who called you, Sergio? The Paul Litchfield? Litchfield? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. Why did he call you Sergio? Just I think he thought that I that Souza was the one pulling up stuff, and so oh. he couldn't remember Souza's name. So I'm just seven and I'm seven, seven and Sergio. Seven and Sergio. Yeah. Thought that was pretty funny. Hey, dude, Kevin's been through some shit. I don't, I don't mean the um, spinal shit. I just mean like he, like for someone who's been at HQ as long as him. I mean, you've you've been through some shit, dude. You've seen some like to survive all that shit politically. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Fuck, that's crazy. Oh, what's this? Oh, are you seeing all these videos come in? Yeah, I was gonna watch them. I'm saving them for later so I can watch them. Damn, look at Emily Rolf. Holy shit. This is this are are these all promos for um the behind the scenes? Yeah, I'm sure they can be. Hmm. A good one of Sydney Wells too. Oh, is that Sydney? I think so. Yeah, with the pig. Yep. Damn, she moved that thing really well. Yeah, I'm so impressed by her. I, can you show that? I'm so impressed by her because I don't think of her as a CrossFitter and she just got her shit together and now she goes to the games. It's nuts. You want me to pull it up? Sure. Yeah, let's look at it. This will I, I basically I think what Rios is doing, Rios is the guy who put together the behind the scenes, him and Branstetter, and um he's going through and getting ready to just do a massive dump on uh reels on the Sevon Podcast uh, Instagram account. Just do a massive dump. Dude, that was kind of, that was a sweet like split right there. She does too, right? Oh yeah, so smooth. Yeah. God damn. When I went to JR's, he has those uh flip sleds. Yeah. Those are so fucking hard. That thing is right. Like, is it Oh, it's, it's like that, like but that. it's steel. Yeah. That's like doing that split thing is not easy. There's so much coordination that goes into it. Sevon, who's helping out with media at Wheelwad? I have no idea. 
I have no idea. I can't even think about it. It stresses me out to think about anyone else's media. <clears throat> oh, um, What do I have here? I thought I had something I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, what is this? Freedom of speech. Oh, no. I can't do that to Kevin's show. Maybe I won't do an unhinged an unhinged rant. I don't even have to pee yet. Skip that portion, did I? Yeah, maybe just like we did Bam or like that meme is so good. So many people are in my DMs being like, "Yep, this is your show." I think it's been about that way for two years now. Just just that that same guest, uh, Bam or live guest, unhinged rant. I have to pee. Yep. Oh, look at uh, Lisa. Uh, are you you're doing Lisa? You're doing the media for Wheelwad. Awesome, good job, girl. Nice hair. Look at your hair. Oh, she looks put together. Yeah, she got porcelain skin too. Um, I can't. All these events require so much uh, support. If 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 people are gonna see them, the world's gonna see them. <clears throat> we're just our our little um i shouldn't say it's little our open event's going to be crazy wild and good and we're trying to figure out how to do it with the most limited resources we can because i need to keep, hoard and keep all that money myself can't be like you needed to buy desks for your kids yes yes my wife. time <laughs> Uh, Jedediah Nelson, uh, be equal opportunities have on rants for all. I just, there's this, I, I just, the ones that I have today are just so brutal. They're just brutal. <laughs> They're just brutal. You think, you think Biden's going to run for office? Uh, Caleb, I think he said he was going to. Yeah. I think he's, you think he's going to. It, see, it seems like there's just so much noise in the space that they're that about someone else is going to run. That I, I, can you look up lame duck for me? What does that mean, lame duck? Lame. They they, they basically don't want to say who's really going to run because they don't want him to become a lame duck president. Oh my god! You what? You should see this definition. This is crazy. An official, especially the president. <laughs> In the final period of office for the, after the election of the successor, an ineffectual or unsuccessful person or thing. Yeah. So they're wow. basically they're basically saying that if they announce Michelle Obama is going to run, that this dude in office, Biden, people will just no one else will. Everyone will get off his jock. Right. Like right now he has all the power. So everyone's riding his dick. But if they say Michelle Obama is going to run or Gavin Newsom is going to run gruesome Newsom, uh, that he'll just turn into a lame duck president, just completely ineffective. I mean, isn't he already? I have a friend uh, who has uh, intimate contact with the White House, and they said it's just straight Game of Thrones there, that basically Biden is just completely gorked, and that it's just all these different factions vying for power, and that it's nuts. Yeah, you just Absolutely nuts. Little tribes of people trying to take over. Yeah. Michelle Obama said she doesn't want to run for office because she saw what her husband went through. 
wah, wah, wah. But I'm like, nah. You could be convinced, I think. I thought that they were what I what I thought they were gonna do is they were gonna start running the ticket. I thought they're they were gonna say that um I thought the Dems were going to say, instead of saying it's a vote for Trump or Biden, that they, they were going to say it's a vote for freedom or not freedom. Like they were going to start just painting it instead of acknowledging that Biden was running. Um, they were going to paint it as. Um, it, it's just freedom versus not freedom. That way you don't even have to think about who you're voting for. You don't have to think about, hey, you're voting this senile man into office. You can just think it's voting for freedom, It's at, which is just absolutely nuts. It's the opposite of freedom. Listen, if you're if you're confused and you're not sure who to vote for or like you want to focus on all the bad things that Trump does or the bad things that Biden does, here's you have to get your head wrapped around this. There's like three things you want. You want freedom of speech. uh, You want safety in the society and you want to be able to own property. Like besides that, you should, the rest of the stuff you don't really need to care about too, too much. You just you need those. You don't get you don't get freedom of speech with the Dems. You that's everyone can agree on that, right? Even the Dems, the Dems can agree on that, right? No, I think that they think that they're giving freedom of speech. Uh, someone but show I, me. I, someone show me. Someone show me where you can't get do freedom of speech as uh, anything else besides a Dem. I can give you 10 examples of where you don't get freedom of speech as a dem. You're not allowed to talk, get second opinions on uh, the injection in California from doctors. You have to go with the WHO guidelines. That's not, that's, that's dems. Uh, Twitter completely censored before, kicked off the president of the United States. You have, you have, we have to have freedom of speech. You ha- that we will completely go down the shithole without freedom of speech. And then we need safety. Right? So that's like close the border. Uh, can't allow people to be robbing stores. Second um, Amendment. Have to stop saying that uh, white people are bad. Uh, Second Amendment. You have, to, you have to be honest. Like when, when you're like, hey, why are there so many black people in jail? You have to be honest and say, hey, because of the dem- – if you're going to categorize people by the color of their skin, you have to realize that 6% of the population, which is black males, commits 48% of all the murders. Like you have to be able to, you have to, be able to ig- acknowledge those things. You, then you have to be able to say, hey, it's not appropriate to categorize people um, as skin color because it's not a fact. It's just a correlate. We, we have to just be honest about those things. Stop being afraid. Pussies. Bunch of pussies. And I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like it, it shouldn't piss you off. Although, like I said a couple of months ago, maybe Caleb can still find it. Citibank in Los Angeles had a policy in place not to fucking loan money to people with the last name IAN or YAN. That means they didn't even look at us to judge us on our, on our skin color. They just didn't like the spelling of our name. And you know why that is? Because probably Armenians weren't paying back their shit. <laughs> Look at this. Los Angeles City. And this is this is a by the way, there's millions of Armenians in Los Angeles. That's what's so funny. It's it, like they 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 rule Los Angeles. City uh uh CEO, Citibank CEO apologizes for banks' discrimination against Armenian Americans. Discrimination. 
It's a great story. I love it that my people are oppressed. Deeply sorry for this for its discrimination against Armenian American CEO Jane Fraser. Said Tuesday, December 6th, during testimony before a Senate Banking Committee. On November 8th, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau fined $26 million. What did they exactly say? What does it say exactly what they said? We found a small number of employees that were not following city policy and have taken action to make things right and prevent any uh what did they say? They said if they smell like baklava. The bank targeted applicants with the names ending in IAN and YAN, including those living in or around Glendale. Yeah, that's like the Armenian capital, which is home to about 15% of the Armenian American population. It's got to be more than that. I was thinking about this the other day. Why, why would anyone not like Jews? Like if there's a lot of Jews in an area, it's safe. It's clean. There's good food. There's Nobel Prize winners. There's great arts. Like, like, and, and the, 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 you, 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 there's nowhere in the United States where you can point to a Jewish community and there's anything bad going on. Why, why would you, why would you, uh, why would anyone not like Jewish people? Like, uh, all the innovation, the movies. All these basketball teams, they're all owned by Jews. It's all Jew like why how do you not like Jews? Everything. All the good shit comes from Jews. All the innovation, all the all the all the smart Japanese people are just studying shit that Jews taught them. Jews innovated. Someone, someone the other day, someone's like, man, they're everywhere where there's good shit. And I go, ah, basketball's pretty cool. There's no Jews there. And they're like, the team owners. I was like, oh, yeah, forgot. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Point. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Pool Boy's Chick is something else. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. You ever trolled this? Have you ever looked at? Uh, you're married. But let's talk about her afterwards, Caleb. Jesus okay. Christ, what a piece of work she is. Is this mic on? Shit. Fuck. I love it. Thank you. All right. Enough of that. I'm getting out of control. <sighs> Oh, you're going to Australia, huh? For six months? Jesus. Oh, Jesus, pool boy. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, Heidi Kroom, I thought pool boy was into boys. Me too. That broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. You you can't leave that thing for six months. That thing has to be serviced every hour. Pool boy has to be serviced on the reg. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, that is fucked up, Julia. Oh my goodness! Wow, <laughs> wow. He listens to gay country. Is that Beyonce's new album? Is that what he listens to? What did I see this? Uh... 
I these comments in this thread. I'm building up to maybe showing something in my notes. Um, I don't know if I should do it, play it. There are these comments. Uh, there's this thread, and it's pretty fuck. There's this post on Instagram. It's pretty fucking nasty. It's a TED talk trying to justify pedophilia, but mm. the comments are so funny. The comments are so funny. Hey, did you see the basketball player, uh, six foot tall uh, basketball player, high school basketball player, grab the ball from the girl and throw her on the ground? He's playing girls basketball. Have you seen that thing going around? Yeah, that's amazing. I love, I love that. <laughs> and good for the coach, right? The coach is like, uh-uh, they tapped out at halftime. They're like, we're not playing anymore. Yeah, that's fucked up. I'm out of yeah. here. Yeah. <clears throat> Listen, like there's people you want to live by. You want to live by Jews and Mormons. That's who you want. You want to live by them. You don't want to listen. You don't want to live. You don't want to. You don't want to live next to a frat house, right? Hell no. Uh, there's uh, you don't uh, twenty uh, two year old rich white boys. You don't want to live next to them. You don't want to listen to a house. You want to live. You don't want to listen to live next to a house of aspiring rappers. House of 22-year-old black kids smoking weed all the time. You don't want to listen to them next to them either. Bumping music. Yeah. There's things people, but, but you do want to live next to Jews and Mormons. It's okay. Gay Asian dudes. Perfect. <clears throat> Will Brand said, take it easy on the frat house. Dude, there's frat, he in a frat house. Nasty. <laughs> All right. Oh, my backwards like almost gone. My backwards almost gone. You know what's funny? She froze it off like a week ago, and it's still there. But I'm feeling it now, and it's like it's really getting small. <clears throat> so it was. I'm so glad to. I was. I'm glad to rekindle with Kevin Ogar because when there is a lot of drama, I'm never sure where people are falling, in the in the scope of like. Like, do they hate me or do they not hate me because I love Jews so much? And I guess he doesn't hold it against me that I love Jews so much. I like Nobel Prize winners. That's a, that's a good thing. People who invent electricity have streets that without potholes. Back nub. Yeah, I have a residual back nub. I wonder if I could enter an adaptive class. Residual back nub. I so, as much as I love Kevin, I so want some fucking weirdo to fucking norm, norm me to try to enter the adaptive division so he has to deal with it. I just want to, just so I can talk about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I so want a dude to try to enter the female. I so want Fraser to fucking enter the women's division. There's so many divisions. There's so many options. You can come up with something probably. I so want, it would be so fun to just watch CrossFit have to deal with all the weird shit that's happening. No, that guy's disgusting. Please. I am not pulling that up. Thank you. Are you that's fucking fuck, kidding me? That's so fucked up. I can't. I, I started, I watched like 30 seconds of it and I just wanted to fucking off myself. It was horrible. It's so, that's so fucking gross. 
How I how is that even a success? How who watches that? Uh, millions of people, apparently. Yeah. That's a uh, uh, turntable. As a former maintenance man, frat boys are ten times worse than Section Eight tens. Oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> hey, that's the thing too. That there you go. You ne- like no one should ever have to live ne- near Section Eight. I I live in the fucking. The only place there's like really gnarly crime in my town is the Section Eight housing. Same one when I was in Berkeley. Why even have Section Eight housing? But just the criminals live there. The school it's supposed to be like for school teachers and like cops and firefighters and shit, I guess, but it never is. Uh, pool boy, Sevy, my girlfriend's going to smash the occupational games this year. Hey, dude, if she's leaving for six months, she ain't your girlfriend, dude. And she's in Australia. Someone's going to be smashing her. She's... Take note. Your ex-girlfriend's going to be smashed the occupational games this year. Take that. But that'll be fun anyway. And when you say smash, what do you mean? Like, she going to take first? As long as she stays away from the crayons, she'll be okay. The crayons? Yeah, she's a Marine. She eats crayons. Oh, oh, nice. Heard that about those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jose. Of course you were raised in Section 8. Your name's fucking Jose. I was raised in Section 8. I turned out okay. Yeah, you can turn out okay. Dude, I was raised in a fucking shithole neighborhood. I turned out okay, too. I'm just saying. You stole shit, too, right, Jose? Like, we stole shit. You stole shit. You threw rocks at cars. You did bad shit. I know. Everyone's parents were home fucking drunk, smoking crack. Someone's dad was always arrested. People parked motorcycles on the sidewalk. He's going to visit me in Australia. Jesus Christ. You live in fucking fairyland. You should just pick the Julia. Julia, you should just point to five girls and be like, "Okay, just stay within those five, please." Like, just just live and just add a big old dose of reality to your world. <laughs> My goodness, CK Kevin, I was the guy with a gun. I was raised in a trailer that was destroyed by a tornado. I turned out okay too. Man, look at this tension between Heidi and Pool Boy. He doesn't have a job, so he might as well come along. Yeah. Okay, that that's enough. That's, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> that's where we draw the line. That's enough. Okay. Uh, final word, Julia Cook. Uh, I'm not sharing a maybe gay guy since he listens to gay country all the time. Fair enough. Love you guys. Uh, what is today? Oh, tomorrow is today Tuesday. What's today? It's Tuesday. Okay, so tomorrow, look, we got a fun week. So much fun shit coming up. Uh, tomorrow we got Greg Glassman. Um, uh, then we have Rafa Sanson. If I don't cancel on him, uh, then we have Shut Up and Scribble. And uh, then on, on Friday is going to be the fun show. This guy's been on before. Uh, he took Instagram by storm by eating all sorts of raw uh shit at Whole Foods for like eight hundred days. He'd just be eating the raw octopus. All he ate was raw shit for 800 days. Now he's uh has a raw chicken account. 
All he does is eat raw chicken. Um, so we know what pool boy will be eating when Julia's out of town. Bye-bye.